I've told you before, I didn't want you to read this crap. I never saw such rotten crap in my life. Where do you get this shit? Who sells it to you? I'm talking to you, young man. You want to answer me when I'm talking to you. You remember who puts the friggin' bread on the table around here, don't you? Stan, don't be too hard on him. All the kids read him. My boy isn't all the kids. You want to know where this is going, Billy? In the garbage, right into the friggin' garbage. Now, you got any smart mouth about that? It's the invasion of the podcast. And welcome to our spooky October of invasion from invasion from the po- no invasion of the podcast. It's been like two and a half weeks. I don't know words anymore. I was going to say we've been invading or evading the podcast. Eva- yeah, it's evasion evasion of the podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, I am Paul. To my left is us, Steve. Hello, everyone. And yeah, uh, so thank you guys for your patience for last couple of weeks. Uh, just you know, scheduling and vacations and everything kind of got in the way but now we're back for october um we're uh going to be talking about the film creep show and then also the first episode of the shutter series creep show that just came out i, I think episode two just came out yesterday actually i've not had a chance to watch that yet yeah i haven't had a chance to watch it yet either yeah so we're talking about that and we have a game at the end involving the treehouse of horror from the simpsons so it's going to be a very spooky beginning to the month it's going to be all um horror movies we'll talk more about that like our like Steve's concept because I let him pick everything because that he's the horror guy like and he loves horror he loves Halloween, um so we'll get more into that here in a minute, um because there's a theme like we got to have a theme it's always like your high school essays you got to have a theme, so we'll get there when we get there. What's your prom theme this year? Did I tell you Creep the story? Did, yeah, did I t- did I tell you the story about my uh, senior prom theme? Did I tell you this one already? Maybe uh, I did. Don't think so. Okay. Did not mean to start off with this, but here here's an admission. So I graduated in '96. Uh, I know, like that's a long time ago for some of you guys. I know Steve, you graduated. Was it Armageddon. That. It was Armageddon. Yeah, it was the theme. Was um no, that came out after '96. Was it okay? Yeah. It was Apollo 13. Was my theme. No, uh, <laughs> no. So we ha- they had like five songs you could vote for, and then whatever that song was would be the theme for the prom. And it was like a couple country songs, because I grew up in the armpit of West Virginia, whatever. Um, and one of them was. Remember Me This Way, which was the theme song to the film Casper. And uh, and somehow, I don't know if it was because of a split vote, that son of a bitch won. So my, my prom theme for 1996 <laughs> was Remember Me This Way, the theme to Casper. I'm hoping all the guys wore white tuxedos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just... <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to a bunch of sheets would be really inappropriate. No, um, West Virginia. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know Easy yeah. shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was my prom theme, and I can't unthink it. You know, so that that's like, hey, Paul, what did what did you have like your dance with your date with? It was the song from the movie about the ghost kid <laughs> and Bill Pullman. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and Christina Ricci, yes. which she had the same forehead size as Casper. I said it. No. Uh, like, <laughs> so, yeah, that was my prom theme. Uh, that's not the story. Uh, so, yeah, um, we've been gone for a bit. At first, I just want to thank Al Goro of A Talk Without Rhythm for coming on our show, Talk About Master Universe, and then us invading his show 
a few days after and talking about uh, Last Starfighter and Explorers. And we linked it on the Facebook page. I hope you guys checked it out. That was a really fun talk. And thanks to him for having us on his show. Uh, it was just fun having like back to back weeks of wonderful film discussions that were set in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping I turned some people around on Explorers. But uh, if I the did. The first half. The first yeah. half of Explorers. Then uh, <laughs> my work here is done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that uh, hope you guys enjoyed those talks. So we decided we're going to have another talk about another '80s film here in the tonight, talking about Creep Show. But first, uh, we normally talk about our weekends. However, I feel like it'd be it'd be silly to not talk about like the time we've had off in between. Um, I know Steve, you've had some adventures, uh, not not always the most fun of them. No. Um, first, though, I got to ask you because you posted about this on social media yesterday. What was your encounter? Uh, like with the the meat counter at a, like a grocery store. <laughs> so I just I got frustrated because I I don't know I feel like every time you go to uh, a grocery store and you're like oh I'm gonna stop at the deli if there's not somebody there in front of you or if if there is somebody there in front of you you have to you know it's it's like a take your number kind of thing where you just gotta wait in line. Um, but I always feel like the person who's being helped at that time is guarding the deli counter. <laughs> and I, I, I kid you not, this woman kept shuffling. Like, I was trying to look around her to see the price of things, because yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? I think bologna's on sale. I'll see what bologna is going for. I would, like, look over her and try to, like, see what the price of bologna was, and she'd, like, shuffle. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, what's the price of ham today? And then I'd, like... <laughs> Look to the left, and I feel like she was moving around towards, like, to keep me away. And I'm like, I'll look, I'll look at pimento loaf. No one buys it. Let me just go over to the pimento loaf section. Braunschweiger. What's what's Braunschweiger going for? It's this weird thing of I don't. And I don't quite understand what the phenomenon is, but people seem very territorial when it comes to their place but in line. But she was already getting, like, was she, she was already, already being getting, helped? Yeah, like so the person was already doing the slicer and hopefully not taking their hand off. Like, okay, yeah, that's stupid. So yeah, I just I thought it was an, uh, such an odd thing. So while I was waiting in line at Meyer, uh, at the new Meyer that's just opened in Avon, for those of you who are local, um, yeah, while I was in line and, and observing this woman who not only like once but twice seemed to like push me out of the way so that I couldn't see the price of certain meats uh, I decided to comment it on Facebook yeah so. no I just it just it was always on the heels of uh, when I had come come back from vacation uh, we flew on frontier back and forth from Vegas and um, it was funny because uh, my one friend who he let me borrow a suitcase he was like yeah I just flew frontier he's like okay flight the seats are kind of terrible. I'm like, oh, that bodes well for me because I'm like a foot taller than him and like way heavier. Like he's a, he's a trim dude. Like, you yeah. know, I'm just like, oh, if you thought the seats are terrible, I'm just going to be dead, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So on, on the flight back, um, we, we left Vegas at midnight and we got back to Cleveland, which would have been 3.30, but you had the time change and it was like 6.30 in the morning on Sunday. Sorry, Saturday. Um, and like something happened like but probably one because i know you don't like flying one of your one of your greatest fears started happening to me while i was on the plane which is about 40 minutes to landing i just started not feeling great and i was like i need to get off this plane not like panic but it was more like physically uncomfortable like and they had already stopped like you know everybody stay in your seats we're gonna land i'm just like doing this thing of like i wasn't trying to alert my wife but i was just like 
<laughs> like just trying to like find that zen moment of just like I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm something bad's gonna happen. I need to like I just like it's gonna be it's gonna be bad, you know. And so they, they took so the plane landed and I don't know where they landed because it felt like they drove another twenty minutes towards the airport when they're taxiing. So I'm pretty sure they landed in the downtown Cleveland and took ninety. And then I, I feel like they're just like no 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 we gotta get the four eighty and then like they taxied off into the airport. Um, so while that was going on. I was just waiting because we had like we had we had Mary had her purse and I had like a like a, a small like plastic bag. So I had we had no uh, carry on luggage, and I was like, I'm waiting for the moment this thing stops. I want to get up and just make a beeline for the front of the plane. And I got up and got four seats. We were in the back, and this one lady just immediately just stood up. This older lady, and like the small older lady, and she and then everybody else started standing up and grabbing all their stuff. And I'm I'm, I'm just like trying my best just to like just stay calm and and not like freak out because it's like. The exit's like how many feet away, and I, I'll probably who knows how many minutes I have to wait to get right. there, right? And so she she brings up her phone, her iPhone, which has large text type, like because like she's older, <laughs> and she's just like like she's like, uh, well, don't worry about coming get me, like because uh, we just landed and and I can't get off this plane, and people are like like I can't. She said effings like these effing idiots like don't know how to like she was like, just like like being upset about this. And then and she's like, this is the worst flight I've ever been on because she was smaller than me. And I was looking over her shoulder like, and I happened to read everything she was texting because why was not? You know, it, was right, it was right there. Right. And then so uh, as soon as the plane lands, they, they turn off like all the little air jets and everything. You know, I don't know how planes work and whatever. And then she she was like, tell you know, the stewardess. She's like, can we get more air? Can we get more air? And the stewardess is like, we've landed. It'll just be a couple minutes. And then she the lady was like, <sighs> and this entire time I'm like, I'm like. I just want I just want to lean over and whisper and be like, if you don't calm down, I'm probably gonna shit all over you. Like just just for the love of God. You think you're having a bad time right now. Um Yeah. Uh so then it was one of those things where it just it was just compounding like just like I don't need this right now. So then so then when I got like that was when I got off the plane, that's why I posted on, on uh, Facebook. I was like, to the lady that was upset at her flight, you chose Frontier. Frontier did not choose you. Like right. just <laughs> like if you say it's the worst flight you ever had, I don't know, you're flying on a budget flight. I don't know. Like you get what you pay for, you know? So I also think the worst flight that you're gonna be on is the one that goes down. So <laughs> maybe by it's comparison true. it's the worst flight you've taken. Yeah, but well, it's not the worst case scenario. Like when we were taking off, when they were first taxiing, they were, like we felt like this rumble, like in the plane a little bit. And I looked at Mary, and I was like, "They're they're flapping the wings to get it up to speed." She's like, "Just shut up!" Like, <laughs> I like the idea of this thing solo red. It's like a Flintstones airplane, right? But uh, yeah, uh, that that was the end of the, my my story of Vegas. But yeah, we went out to Vegas for like five days. Went to hang out with a buddy of mine who lives out there. Uh, it was my second time going. This we went three years ago for our wedding, so it was nice to go back and not have the expectations of a wedding in the middle of a Vegas trip. Um, there, it was it was a lot of fun, um, especially once you learn the key to Vegas is like don't give it don't give a shit. If someone tries to smile and talk to you, generally they want something. Like just keep moving, and it makes makes life so much better. Like that sounds terrible, but like if you if you're on the strip or anywhere outside at like an actual casino. Like, unless it's somebody trying to serve you drinks, they want something from you. They want to take your time. They want to hand you something and expect payment for something. So once we kind of learned that, we were able to kind of do what we wanted. Um, We went to the Terminator Kings and Excalibur, which is the Medieval Times type of thing. Um, That was fun. Like, they're supposed to give you a meal while you watch a show. And I put meal in quotes. 
because it was a little Cornish hen, a sprig of broccoli, uh, a biscuit, and a bowl of the medieval favorite tomato soup, and uh, <laughs> and an apple like turnover, like a little like it was almost like a McDonald's apple pie. And I was like, yeah. "That's your meal." And then you get to watch guys, you know, ride on horseback and like use like you know the lances and stuff. So like the combat was very choreographed, which was cool because there's some really bits. That it's like if these guys aren't paying attention, they get hurt. But it was still like. Like, uh, I liked it. Mary liked it a great deal. But I feel like had I been like a middle school, it would have been the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it made me think of a uh, cable guy. Whenever, like... <laughs> if I was 12, this would have been amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the, only, the only joke I made, though, is that they had these different rows set up uh, according to country because they had like these different champions of different countries. And uh, it was just funny because on the one side, like center was Russia. And I kept like joking about how over the course of the night, you would just see that section get bigger and bigger and take over the other <laughs> sections. Yeah, that's my attempt at topical humor. But yeah, that was fun. And then we saw like, you know, we went to a shark thing. It was cool. Uh, we got to touch uh, stingrays. That was cool. Um, I Like I was telling you before we started recording, I went to Circus Circus, which is like the pit of despair. Uh, we went to the Mob Museum. And had uh, moonshine in the basement of the mob museum. Nice. That was cool. Moonshine's terrible, but we paid extra it's like to do pure it. Pure alcohol, right? Pretty so much, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was like, here, sample this, and I'm like, where's the water? Where's the water? Because it just, it was, yeah. Um, but the mob museum was cool because it was actually in the old Las Vegas courthouse. So like the second floor, they actually have one of the courtrooms still available. You can go into, and they have this big media presentation of whenever in like the 40s and 50s, whenever. Uh, people are starting to put together the idea that there's actually organized crime. Mm -hmm. um, one of the big trials happened in that room in the Vegas courthouse for like trying to bust the mafia. So that was neat that you're actually in the room when a lot of the trial took place. Uh, and they actually had a wall in the upper floors. It was brick by brick recreated. like It was counted and put back together um, of the brick facade that was behind the people that died in the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Oh, wow. That was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. not that you're like, hey, people died there. But it was like right. they got it. And then off to the side, uh, per victim, they had the metal slugs pulled out of them. So that was a really morbid but kind of cool place. Uh, I think you'd like it if you went. I don't know. <laughs> I think you would like it. It's yeah. morbid. No, and then we it's went. It's a fair assessment, though. Yeah, no, they have like a bunch of different weapons they pulled from different um, like busts and raids that have belonged to various mobsters. But you see the dates in which these items were found, and it was like decades later. So this stuff had oh, made wow. in like private collections. Like some of Capone's guns were like owned privately by criminals. And then, like, you know, I know it's a really fast-take story, Steve. I'm sorry, sorry. that you're yawning. <laughs> no, but it, it was cool. Uh, and they had, like, a lot of, like, shanks and stuff from prisons and Oh, things. my God. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it was it was interesting to go see all that. It's just I find it funny that Vegas is now profiting off the history of what Vegas was. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, it was a fun trip. We did some gambling. Uh, I won a little bit, so I feel like I did okay. We, we didn't break even, but. To win something once. You're like, I did a thing. And then as opposed to just constantly throwing money in a machine, not getting anything. This was like the first time I won something. It was like the first time like uh, drinks were comped majorly. So uh, oh, we, wow. Yeah. Uh, we uh, went to a place called PT's, which there's like a, like, it's a bunch of them out there. It's off the strip. Imagine like BW3s, but open 24 hours and you could drink 24 hours a day and they have video poker. Okay. Imagine what the, so we I was there with my buddy and they had like beers on tap that were like you know like uh, micro not micro brew but they had their own brewery I guess it was like seven dollars for a twenty two ounce beer which is reasonable for a yeah. bar and we drank a bunch of those I ordered an appetizer and then I ended up hitting on this video poker and ended up winning like fifty sixty bucks something like that 
and the guy came over and was like, congratulations, whatever, and, you know, great. Then at the end of the night, he handed me the bill for the both of us. It was $23 because he started comping everything at a certain point. Oh, wow. And I had one, so I, I just put down 40 and I walked out there like with like $25 a head after drinking for like two hours straight and eating food and gambling. Nice. I, I, am, I am a gambling master. That is. That sounds like you figured out how to do it. <laughs> no, because then we went right back to the strip, and I kept losing money. But you know, we saw like the you know like you, all the touristy things there. Uh, we we M M&M and store, Hershey store. Uh, we Marshall saw, Mathers has his own store there. There is a Marshalls there. Yeah. yeah. Mar- why is there a Marshalls on the strip? Like, there's a Marshalls there. And you know, Marshalls like you're like, well, I, I want to buy lamps that don't match. You go to Marshalls for that. Why is there? <laughs> Like, there's a, a main location of Marshalls on the Strip. Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, there's also a Denny's there, too. Why do you want to overpay for Denny's? <laughs> um, but if you've not been to Vegas, I know it may not be entirely your scene, but you should go once. Yeah, I, we've talked about it. Um, I I really want to get back out to Los Angeles again. Um, we're hoping next year is the year that we can go out and return and, and do... Uh, Universal will probably try and squeeze in, you know, start Galaxy's Edge, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I, I feel like I'd be good for Vegas for like a weekend. I don't know that I would want to be there more than that. Well, my recommendation, this is for everybody out there. You say a weekend. I, if you say two or three days, go midweek. That's okay. that's the goal, right? Because if you go during the weekend, like um, like my buddy was telling me, who li- he lives like 15 minutes away from the Strip. That's when there's not like heavy traffic, and he said that when like Friday, Saturday, Sunday come around, he stays as far away as he will from that because it just becomes a nightmare. So we flew in on like Monday morning, and then we flew out like Friday night. So while we were there Friday afternoon, uh, Mary and I were walking along the strip, and we saw it was like this thing where you started seeing it pick up, and then also on top of that, uh, the the Vegas hockey team was playing a game that night. And they have an arena right on the strip. So you just saw, like, it just the crowd started picking up. And it was like, we need to get out of here before we can't leave. And also, by the way, it was like 95 degrees out there, like no humidity. I saw idiots walking around in full hockey jerseys. I'm like, I don't know what that means. But how can you be that acclimated to the desert weather to be like, you know what? It's 95. It's hockey jersey weather. Yeah. I don't understand that. But whatever, because, like, I could wear a jersey now and I'd be sweating, like, like in Cleveland. 95. I don't understand it. Their team colors are black and gold. So, like, you know, that's going to get worse. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't it's understand. It's going to absorb all that, that heat. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe they have, like, uh, like water bladders like camels out there. I don't know. But How yeah. many flamingos did you eat while you were out there? Uh, a number of them. It was actually all you can eat flamingos at the flamingo. <laughs> um, we went back to the flamingo because that's the hotel we stayed at when we got married. And they have a bird sanctuary there. Well, sanctuary is not the right word. They have an enclosure where you can see flamingos. I thought you were going to say prison. Yeah, there's they a, bird, a bird, prison. bird prison. It's a bird prison. You know, they know what they did. It's all for mafia birds. Um, you know, the ones that's called Pinky. He's not a flamingo, but he fit in. Uh, <laughs> and I know you saw the pictures already because I posted them on, on uh, Facebook. But we walk out to where the bird area is. And there was a lady off to the right that had a number of large tropical birds that you could get photos with. Um, it was like 30 bucks for one, 50 for three. And, and, and in terms of Vegas, that's a good price. Yeah. And, and, and um, 
Mary says, I said this to the lady. I don't recall saying this. And it wasn't because I wasn't drunk or anything. I just don't remember saying this. Supposedly, lady asked, she's like, well, how many birds do you want? And Mary has said to me, you said all of them. So <laughs> there was like, you know, these large, like large parrots, African gray. Uh, I don't know what else, right? Like big birds. And and she made us like hold our hands out in certain positions and she would like raise them and like move our arms and everything. And then she would grab the birds with the purpose, like not you know, mean or like hurting them, but she would grab them and place them wherever you need to do for each of the, like, the different shots she took. And the birds knew what was going on. So they didn't resist. So it was really funny to see her just grab them, like make them like grab one with their, like their feet and then put them on our heads and our shoulders. And at one point she took like this one wonderful blue and yellow parrot and took them and just flipped them on his back and made us hold him out. Like he was the dead parrot from like the Monty Python skit in front of us. Uh, and he just stood still like he didn't react because he knew that this was part of the job. And it was just funny to see these birds just like know what's coming. And she's grabbing them by like the, the feet and also by the beak and moving them around. Like it was just very like professional. And it was really funny to watch all of them be like, we're doing this now. And she kept moving them all over us, took the pictures. And then as she was getting them like put on the computer, uh, she put like one and one like one in one, my hand and one in Mary's hand she's like you can pet them so I had this really large red and green like parrot that I was just petting like I was like you know like the the most like underdressed pirate or whatever just petting this parrot um yeah it was just like all right I guess I get to pet a parrot that's was included in the price that's a bonus so that was fun but no flamingos reading most people I, go throughout their entire life without ever getting to pet a parrot that's true and you can go to Vegas and do it for 20 30 bucks um <laughs> So yeah, it, that was a lot of fun. It was it was good to get out there and um, just kind of go explore and just see whatever was out there, you know. And that's what I'd recommend: just go with, like, maybe go to a show, but don't have a plan to see what's there because you find a lot of weird stuff if you just look in the corners and have some fun with it, as opposed to try to go 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 the entire time. Yeah, you're just gonna wear yourself out. So, anyway. Good advice. Yeah, that's that's my my Vegas story. I'm sure I'm sure I had more stories, but it's been about a week, so we're, we're done now. I, yeah, so went to Vegas, petted some birds, touched a stingray, I stood in front of a wall where people got killed, and almost shit myself on the flight back. That's really my <laughs> Vegas story. And two buffets. We went to two Vegas buffets. Um, so, yeah, that was my big story. Nice. Yeah, I don't know uh, if... Honestly, everything that happened up until probably this past weekend com- pales in comparison, so... Um, I think we've talked a few times now on this show that uh, a few months ago, my wife and I got a puppy named Bosco. He's a golden retriever puppy, a very sweet boy, but he also has a predilection for eating things that he shouldn't. It's a constant battle of taking things out of his mouth. For instance, he likes to try and rip bark off the trees. He likes to uh, find sticks wherever he possibly can. He uh, will steal things like socks and underwear that are from the hamper. He will... Um, I laugh, but that's not funny. No, he, he will eat a lot of things that he that he's not supposed to. Uh, Saturday night, my wife uh, was in Columbus and I was home with a puppy and what had happened was... I thought he was playing with a toy, and he had this stick that he really likes, and when he's, like, gnawing on this, this, and when I say stick, I mean it's an actual, like, Petco toy thing. Um, it's not wo- it's not real wood, but it looks like a stick. It was something that we were trying to use to substitute yeah. him from eating the other things. Long story short, I thought he was eating that. Come to find out, he was eating a box of cardboard. <laughs> 
because I couldn't see him. I knew where he was, but I c- couldn't visually see him. Uh, so I, when I got up, I'm like, oh, my God, he's eating a bunch of cardboard. <laughs> so uh, flash forward to a couple hours later, he eats his dinner, and then he throws up. And we're like, oh, that's not good. Uh, he continues to throw up through Sunday, and we end up taking him to the vet, uh, which if any of you have ever been to a vet on Sunday, you know that they're not open on Sundays, so it's only emergency services. Uh, they take an x-ray. They come back in. They're like, okay, let's look at the x-ray. And as soon as she turned it on, I, my immediate reaction was, oh, fudge. <laughs> Except <laughs> fudge was not the word that I used. Yeah. Um, he had somehow, and I felt a little better about this because it, once they actually did surgery on him, yes, that's part of the story, is, is he had to have surgery to remove foreign objects from his stomach. They're like, yeah, there was a little bit of cardboard in there, but it turns out that he had eaten some sort of washcloth <laughs> that neither my wife nor I can figure out where he got. Again, I shouldn't laugh about this because this is horrible because you told me what happened previously and I'm like, oh my goodness. that's Yeah. That, yeah. So we we're just both like horrified because I'm like, we don't even own that many washcloths. Like it's not like What if we you have... ever saw the outline of a Bespin Luke? Right. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're like, you know, I thought I was missing one of them. <laughs> Is that a Batman figure in there? Oh, my God. Um, no, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly where he got it from. I don't know how he managed to eat it and swallow it without either of us seeing it. That's yeah. the thing that we're just both baffled by. Um, so it's been a, a long week because he had to have emergency surgery. He came home Monday. Um, so far, so good. Everything's good. Uh, his his wounds are healing up, and uh, little by little, he's getting better. But at the same time, he's a puppy, so he's still like I I don't know. I I feel like if I break a nail, like I, I'm just done for at that point. Like it's the worst thing ever. And yeah. I, I'm you know I'm like well I'm not doing anything the rest of the day. <laughs> he's got like I don't know a nine inch incision in the bottom of his stomach, and he's like, hey, let's go jump on the couch. How does that sound? Does that sound like a good idea? Uh, how about I just run up the stairs? Oh, you guys didn't block up the stairs. Let me run up the stairs. Like he is super active. Uh, so a lot of our last week has just been trying to keep him from being active yeah. uh, and letting his stitches heal. Thankfully, he, knock on wood, has not popped any of them yet. Um, and we're hoping that he can make it through his two-week healing process before the stitches are removed without having to do that. So, okay, Well, that's terrible. But So when did the doctor say it was okay for him to start eating towels again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, this weekend he's allowed to, because he's on a special di- like, please, diet right now. Please tell now. me that you first start with like just like a, like a simple like just like washcloth from the bathroom, and then you move up to like a pot holder, and you're like, here you go. <laughs> well, like, you know those like really crappy towels that you can get at like Dollar Tree that are like shrunken? Yeah. And it's like, just add water, and they'll turn into a full-size <laughs> towel. I feel like he ate one of those, and then it just expanded oh. in his stomach. But we, we don't know, because we didn't see it, obviously, what it was, but like we were just both aghast i i i was slightly relieved because i was like oh thank god it wasn't that he ate like so much cardboard that it bound him up yeah you know uh but at the same time we were both just horrified by the notion that that he's dogs are weird like like they'll just have this they, they have the compulsion to do it you know like and it's like it's 
you know, like I know when we had had our dog, there like there's these these trees outside in our driveway that drop um, berries that probably aren't good. And every time we take her out to you know to go potty, it was like just trying to wrestle that stuff out. It's like yeah. don't eat that. Like it's not no. Like and it doesn't matter. You know, like they're just compelled. It's like I got to do it. You know. Yeah. Like, have you seen that meme of like, um, oh, what was it like, uh, Hercules opening the mouth of a lion, where it's like, anytime my dog gets something, I don't know yeah. what it is. Like, it's, <laughs> so yeah, we're we're well, I, I'm, I I hope Bosco is on the road to recovery, and I hope uh, I hope Bruce has been okay in this meantime. Bruce has been okay. He's upset though because he's not getting nearly the attention that he was getting before, <laughs> because we're literally babysitting Bosco twenty four seven. Like he's been on a leash literally almost the last four days so that like he's sitting next to us he's on a leash he can't yeah get up and like i kid you not so today uh i took today and tomorrow off simply because we need to be home with him and my wife was off tuesday wednesday and (laughs) i let him like he was still on his leash but i wasn't holding him and he was just laying like i don't know maybe three feet away from me and the leash is still on him, but I'm, I don't have it in my hand, and I'm futzing with my computer. And I, I look down, and I hear him chewing, and I'm like, what is he chewing on? He was eating his own leash. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God, I got to take this leash I, I off. Was, I was worried it was going to be like a, like a bathroom towel, like a whole shower no. towel. Like, how did he get this? Like, what is with towels with this guy, you know? So I'm like, I got to take his leash off. So I take his leash off. In the middle of it, my wife calls to tell me that the uh, trainer that we're going to be meeting with, because we're... we're working with a trainer now to uh try and she told us not to use the furious break but to to change his behavior because you know long story short she's like you don't want to break them of their behaviors you want to change their behaviors whatever okay that's fine okay if if they stop eating things they shouldn't however you want to phrase it um behavior modification or breaking (laughs) however as my wife is calling to tell me hey the trainer's gonna be coming at this time today dot 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 uh, I'm going to come home uh, early from work so that I can be there. Great. Okay. I hang up the phone with her. I look over the wall, and I kid you not, he's trying to eat the wall. And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? I'm sorry. I should not laugh. This is horrible. This is like, it's like, I, I, um. <laughs> so did you ever watch the, the, the series uh, Spin City, uh, the Michael J. Fox show? I have. I, okay. Yeah. The one character on there had a dog named Rags that was supposed to be like, 30 years old or something like that and it was constantly trying to kill itself like yes. they would find him like licking the the light socket yeah. and things like that uh i kind of feel like for a puppy he's he's like what can i what can i do to just end it now like how can i just find <laughs> something to eat that'll just take out my life i oh it's just and it's not oh. even like you know it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the store and leave him out or something stupid like that. No, I literally just turned my head for like 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute and he's trying to eat the wall. Oh, and by no. the wall, I mean the drywall. So like, yeah, he put a little sizable hole in that. So like, OK, this is not the show for this. But I'm just going to ask, like, have have they talked to you guys about like diet and mineral content and all that? Because I know dogs do deal with pica where they yeah. start eating things they shouldn't because they're trying to get like minerals and things in their system. Like I don't know if you guys have. Yeah, we there. we've had that discussion. Right now, he's on a very strict diet. He's, of he's drywall and towels. <laughs> yeah, drywall and towels. No, he's on uh, he's on hamburger and rice, which he's getting small meals for like six times a day. Okay. Um, and then uh, he's on an antibiotic. He's on a 
uh, pain pill, and then he also gets this. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but it it's, it coats their stomach lining. So okay, it's like good. A, it's a it's a pill that dissolves. Uh, you put it in like a big syringe. It okay. dissolves with water, and then you shoot it into their mouth. But yeah, I just, th- I just think you should just like nickname him Darwin from here on out. I think you should call him like a, a little Darwin. But uh, yeah, that's that's a lot more uh, going on than um than, yeah. than what I did. Honestly, so. I don't remember what happened since the last time we recorded because of that. Like it's just it's been the most prevalent thing for the last five days now. So that, that's I mean yes that that uh, oh it, well so what also happened in between is that um I went to a weed dispensary out in Vegas because it's legal out there. That okay. was weird. Really professional, because of course it is, because it's it's legal. Yeah, it felt like going to like a Starbucks of weed, like yeah. And so, so the only reason I mentioned that because you're like, I don't remember what happened. I'm like, there's spots there where I got a little spotty as well because you got by uh, some <laughs> so legal is weed. It, is it edibles? They have that as well. Okay. Um, they had a special at that time where it was like, buy two bags of gummies, get one free. I'm like, I don't want that. So we ended up getting like, I got a, my a, gummies for the trip home on no, the plane. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Um, no, we bought like a, a, va- a vaping device, and then we went to Red Rock Canyon. I don't was, know if you know this, but vaping is killing our our, uh, our youngsters. That's okay. It's that sucks. Um, I would also feel like if you, do it, if you do it in moderation, you know, like uh, national crisis. Yeah. So we were driving around Red Rock Canyon, and we were, I was smoking, and we were listening to. Uh, I forcibly made everybody listen to the Sabata theme from uh, the Western Sabata because I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was crazy because you go in there and they they check your IDs, and there's one door you walk in, and then the uh, the door in front of you will not like physically open until the door behind you closes you go in there there's a dude with a gun because it's all cash based like thing there but when you like, say dude with a gun you're talking about like a security guard like a person like, working there not just a random person with yeah. a gun yeah um and then they had like uh people there with the full jars of the different types of buds and they're like you could actually like mix and match if you wanted to but um, they also had these big screens on the back wall that showed everything for sale and like their content. So like, I got to be honest, I, I not being somebody who partakes in in weed. Uh, I like how Steve's keeping it straight for the show. By the way, <laughs> he's ha- the he's the biggest goddamn pothead I know. Like, <laughs> handful of times in my entire life, but the, he, he's the Saturday Night Stasher. If that's you know right. What I, mean. <laughs> I I honestly don't understand what the science is behind. Like the oh, give me the you know. Maui Wowie and the <laughs> Big Lebudski and the, the Big Lebudski, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I, but I don't understand like what the science is behind that. Like, I don't know I, either. So they explained to me like there's a couple different things where they said like if you want more what they called like like a, a like a body feel or like a contact like where your brain drifts or if you just want more an overall pleasant experience, they had different levels of things. So granted, the THC hits everybody's system differently. But it's the same thing with any substance where, like, you know, like caffeine might affect me differently than you. But it's a general, like, a, like you know, idea that if this has a higher THC count, it's going to do, like, way stronger things to you. So we found one that was kind of like a middle-of-the-road one that um, is funny because at one point, like, uh, my wife was like, you stopped talking. I'm like, yeah, I didn't trust. I was going to say words that made sense. Like, it was <laughs> like, um, but I was like, but I was aware enough. Like, sometimes I'll just completely space out yeah. when it, when it um, but yeah, it was just like nice. I'm like, I'm looking at like this wonderful rock formations and listening to Western music and just looking out the window. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, it was like, well, we're in, like, because it's all legal in Nevada. Like, yeah. and so it was also that weird thing too of like, can we do this? Like, I just kept like, like looking around and then we had the thing with us and it's like, you're not really supposed to technically smoke like out in public, but it's one of those things that since it's legal to carry, 
they really can't say anything to you. So it was just one of those things where like it was the middle of the night. We're on the strip. I'm like, hey, hey, can I have that? Like, who's going to stop me? And it was, but you could also hold like beverages out, like alcoholic beverages, like in public too. So it was just one of those things where I'm like, this won't happen in Cleveland, you know? Yeah. So it was, yeah. Or so. it does. And you just, you know. yeah. So anyway, um, that, yeah. All right. We've been talking a long time about uh, drug and towels, um, like how I had some stuff I probably shouldn't have. And your dog definitely had things they shouldn't have. That's true. Um, so, yeah, let's just let's just get to the news. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that fast ish. And then we'll get to our talk about creep show. How about that? Good news, everyone. So. First thing, did, did you want to do? Uh, we have we have we have talk about the Harley Quinn trailer. Sorry, Birds of Prey. We have the Spider Man. No, story. You, you said it right. It's essentially the Harley Quinn trailer. Yeah, I know. And um, we'll get yeah yeah. And so we have that. We have the Spider Man story, and then we also have some rights issues. So I think that kind of falls with the Spider Man thing a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I feel like we should just knock Birds of Prey out of out of out, out the sky. Quick. Yeah, yes. just because it'll be a quick like, discussion down. Um, So the first trailer came out for Birds of Prey or what's the full title? Like how Harley Quinn got her groove back or something. The Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Proclamation of Harley Quinn. Yeah, I posted on our Facebook simply saying, hey, let us know what you think of the trailer. Didn't really get much of a response. Simply because I'm like, we're notoriously hard on DC films here. Not because we want to be. Says Steve. But just because that's kind of how the dice rolls. And I wanted to get just feedback on what people thought of the trailer, because I, my initial reaction was was not good. So, and it's it's really not even related to the quality of the film. But I, I I'm trying to choose my words here. I look at that film, and I a it that trailer, and I understand for marketing purposes, Harley Quinn's the big attraction. So you need her to be in a lot of it. But as somebody who's read a lot of DC comics and mm-hmm. even at one point read Birds of Prey, I could not tell you who any of those other characters were. Well, I, I think c- I think the Huntress is in there. I think they show her for a second. Which right? one was she? I, the one, the one with the motorcycle helmet. I don't know. I think that was her. Like I maybe like that's the thing is <laughs> Birds of Prey. You know, uh, at one point had you know uh, Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl. I oh, yeah. believe uh, and Oracle. Yeah. But I believe that at some point. She's in that movie, to my understanding. If she is, they're clearly not showing her. Um, yeah, I didn't see a wheelchair. Uh, the Huntress, <laughs> uh, Black Canary. Um, there have been different you know, iterations of the team, but I didn't recognize anyone. Mm-hmm. Like that... That to me just says that like this is just a Harlequin movie with Birds of Prey. Like I don't even understand well, why they're including Birds of Prey. To so be perfectly the, it, honest, to be fair, so yes, um, the original title for the film was Harley. Sorry, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn or whatever, right? And now I think they just shuffled it because Birds of Prey is easier to say. But I will give them credit that they're still keeping that subtitle in there and they're still making it prominent because it's a fun. It's a fun title. Um, I, you still have not seen Suicide Squad. Um, again, that's not it's not a fault against you because I know you're the big DC guy and Suicide Squad's a mixed bag. Uh, but Harley Quinn was one of the best parts of that film. Um, so having her be front and center in this, I I understand your point and how they're not really showing everybody else yet because I think Black Mask as a vi- villain's in that somewhere. 
I don't yeah, know who it's I've supposed to be. I've been told that Ewan McGregor, I think, is playing Black Mask. But you didn't see it in the trailer. No. Because uh, he's supposed to literally wear a black mask. You know, right. um, Maybe that's his name. His last name is just a black mask. Like, just wall one word. <laughs> like, my name is Henry Black Mask. You know? um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I... It was trying to go for this like like arty thing with the music and everything, which credit to them that the trailer wasn't like your typical cookie cutter, like show you everything from the movie. I don't think it is. Um, so it was a little scattershot, but I think that speaks to the world of Harley Quinn. I just don't understand why it's not just called Harley Quinn. Like we're getting a Joker movie, you know, like why not just call it Harley Quinn? That's like, fair. I, I, that, that's I, fair. I don't know, and I, it's not that I'm upset because I, I I feel like yeah, I'm coming like off as upset, upset. <laughs> but I just it, if you, it, could you give me and it's fine could you could you do a pause? Fine. Fine? <laughs> uh, when it comes to say the Sinister Six, let's say they put out a Sinister Six movie and they got Jake Gyllenhaal to reprise the role of Mysterio, and then it's just Jake Gyllenhaal for two minutes, and then you're like, I don't understand who the other five characters are. <laughs> Would be like, and and you've had a lifetime of reading those characters, the Sinister Six, and the Fantabulous Life of Mysterio, or right. whatever it is. You know where you'd be like, I, I, wow, what was Doc Ock in there? Yeah. I didn't see him. Yeah, I shouldn't I be able to visually recognize Doc Ock very? Oh, easily? that guy's name is Ryan Ryan and no. Oh, that's it. No, uh, no. <laughs> Why I get is it. the guy who's supposed to be the Rhino not in a giant Rhino suit or mechanical? <laughs> suit or yeah. whatever like no I, I understand your point if it's called if, if the if the if the if the head the the big title is birds of prey then maybe get into that uh which that also speaks to your frustration with the initial teaser poster for that film oh it's terribly designed <laughs> that is one of the worst posters i've seen and I, i'm kind of surprised that i'm not seeing more of that reaction because i put it up i think on just my personal facebook and i'm like this is one of the most poorly designed posters i've ever seen which it just and shows I was expecting a hurrah steve thanks for pointing this out but no, no. well from now on i want to make sure anytime you comment i think pop culture <laughs> i want to say hurrah steve thanks for pointing that out uh and i'll, I'll do the, like the buddy christ point uh, um, no that the only the only the only points i'll give to that poster is this is that it is just a headshot of margot robbie as harley quinn and it shows that all the other characters like flying around her like like cartoon birds kind of and like well they're they're real but it almost looks like a tweety bird type of thing from like looney tunes the only credit i'll give that is that it wasn't the standard like her face and then eight other faces on a poster i'll give it that that they tried you're right it's absolutely terrible but at least they did something different not good different so you could argue that right now based upon that initial image and this initial trailer that for a film that the main character is kind of she's she is all over the place i don't know if i got a good sense of identity with what's going on i mean i understood the concept of the poster like i I did that as well but like uh, i just thought it was terribly terribly put together um and you know, I didn't want to say it in our Facebook posts. So if you can honestly go to that post, if you're listening, and you're like, I was able to easily identify the other birds of prey in that that trailer. Let me know. Like, if I'm wrong, I'm I'm OK with it. And this is not me even saying like, oh, the movie's going to be terrible. This is going to be. I was just like, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, when you call something birds of prey. 
you yeah. expect there to be Birds of Prey in the trailer. I mean, considering the CW shows have actually done a pr- well, there actually was a CW series called Birds of Prey for like a season. I guess those they're bringing them back also for this big event that's happening. Are they really? Yeah. Okay. They're bringing everybody back, like almost almost everybody back, like that's been associated with anything DC for that that uh, crossover. But there's even been like the Birds of Prey hinting at in like the Arrow series, and there's definitive characters that you understand. Yeah. And you see them, but so. This is, again, I feel like this is also kind of, DC has kind of found their groove with the past couple movies, but this thing has kind of existed. It's a, um, oh, what do you want to call it? Vestigial, like, artifact from the previous vision of what they wanted to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you still kind of acknowledge that this is the same character from Suicide Squad, but it doesn't have to exist in that same type of drab, like, dreary worldview so it's sure. so it, it, it's kind of an oddball right so maybe maybe it doesn't really have a good definition and maybe the movie's great i don't know this again this is not me at all commenting on what the quality of the film is going to be because i actually didn't think like i was like oh yeah it looks fun like that that at its core is what my takeaway was from the the trailer but i was just the fact that i could not identify any other character other than harley quinn seems problem problematic is yes, maybe the best way that's for fair. me to put it so yeah so all right i'm sure we'll get more uh into birds of prey and and uh harley quinn and her very 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 not good bad day or whatever it's called yes as it comes along all right next story here um it is uh so uh we in the meantime while we were away i think we talked about this previously there, uh, Sony and Marvel had parted ways with with Spider Man. I think we talked about it previously. However, they had gone um, their separate ways. They have gone the journey. They have, um, yeah, they they did. They they Steve parried it up. Uh, so um, we found out like the last couple of days that um, that it's actually they've come they they found an agreement because originally our sources tell us our sources, our sources tell us yeah mean the internet yeah yeah uh, you know the, the internet that's out there um. So what the biggest divide was, uh, Disney wanted fifty, at least fifty percent of the profits from the film, the Spider-Man films, and then they wanted a bigger hand in the production of the Spider-Man films and associated Spider-Man films from Sony. Sony said no deal. They walked away from it. Turns out Tom Holland actually was the one to go to both parties and be like, "Come on, you got to make this work. There's a big fan base, and I, you know, like just just make this happen." Mm-hmm. Um, I, which I was reading the story. It's like he went to like the Sony people because he's actually he's associated with the Uncharted movie, which I know you, Uncharted's a video game franchise. That's imagine like Indiana Jones, but in the modern day, kind of that same thing. My um, my only knowledge of Uncharted is is I feel like for a long time there was a campaign to get Nathan Fillion to play whoever the main Nathan guy Drake, is. and it feels exactly like it had had this been twenty years ago, he had been perfect for that role because you gotta have that that charming kind of rogue mm-hmm. type of guy. And and Fillion would I'd still want him in there. But if you got Tom Holland playing the role, I'm down for it too. He's a little young, but fine. It's fine. Um it's not a Paul Stebman fine. It's just I like Tom Holland. Put him in everything right now. Uh, so he cause Sony's actually But like, as Peter Parker. As Peter Parker. Um Spider Man and Uncharted. Boom. That's a great idea. Now um uh, since Sony, since Uncharted's actually a Sony property because they was released in the video game systems with Naughty Dog Studios, they're making the film. It's kind of passed from different creators, but Holland's associated with it, so he still has a vested interest in Sony's output and is actually a bankable star. So he went to Sony and was like, 
you, you need to talk to Disney. And then he went to Disney and was like, you need to talk to Sony. Look at this fan base. This is, we need to do this. So he actually worked a lot behind the scenes to get them back on board. And they worked out a deal where Disney's now getting 25% of the profits, which Disney's making money hand over fist. So fine. It, if you give them 25% and Sony gets the rest, Marvel and Disney still get all the, like the merchandising rights. Like, they're not hurting to make money off of Spider-Man. So there, there's a third movie still coming uh, that's under the MCU and a another movie in which Spider-Man's going to be part of that is a Marvel film. Um, this makes me happy because the way Far From Home ended, which we're not going to get into here, set up a very interesting situation for Peter Parker. I'm glad that we get a chance to see how that plays out. And I'm going to guess that that movie, if it's handled well and does well, it's going to make a bajillion dollars. And then Sony might be like, you know what? We could probably make some more. So I'm hoping that this is like the good faith going forward of like, as long as we keep having a working collaboration in which both sides make their money, we'll keep Spider-Man in the MCU. I'm fine with that. So I'm good. Yeah. I actually don't have anything really to add. I mean, you kind of said it all there. I I feel like uh, Spider-Man fits naturally into the Marvel universe because that's where he's from. And well, he's being positioned to kind of be the heart going forward. It's like you, they were going to rip that heart out, you well, know, like to be perfectly honest, I don't know how you would make a third one and then suddenly not reference anything from yeah. the actual MCU. Like, how would you even go about that? <laughs> I, I would just, it would be a bunch of sensor noises. He's, like... he's so integrated at this point. Like, how do you feel, Mr. About what's going on? You know, it'd be like one of those things where it's like, didn't you just fight? Oh, at that fight there. And um, yeah, that'd be great. It was all sensor noises. That's a bad joke. Uh, But um, it's it's about as bad as Sony's plans for the character, let's be honest. But uh, what I'll also say here, though, that that there was no talk of Sony's further development of the other Spider-Man associated properties. So I think I think Disney's had to like kind of let Sony run its course of what they're going to do with the, with the, the Morbius film. And also um, I know there was a silver Sable film talked about. I don't know if they're still doing that or not. Uh, and then like Venom too, you know? Yeah. So I think they had to keep hands off as long as they get Spider-Man. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen Venom, so I can't comment on that. Uh, the Morbius film, I sure he's, he's, he's the living vampire. I, don't know i mean yes you can make a vampire story i just don't know how you differentiate it at this point uh from any other vampire film like there's got to be something special about it like venom is easily identifiable as coming from the spider-man world i don't know that morpheus morbius 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 yeah i keep wanting to say morpheus is uh from the matrix Matrix, morbius is the artist morbius sure I don't. I, I. I don't. It's fine. <laughs> oh, and I, you, we, you and I talked about this before we started recording. That, like, I guess I should, the bigger news that I didn't even talk about on my weekend. I won't go along in this. Is that um, Mark Bagley? I was about to say Tom McFarland. What's wrong with me? Mark Bagley was in Canton, Ohio, on Saturday at a convention. Him and Mark Texaria. Um, I, th- I think it's Texaria. That's how you pronounce it, right? I always Texaria. Yeah. Uh, who was a, a, an artist on Ghostwriter in the '90s? And Bagley was like. M- my favorite consistent Spider-Man artist. I know we talked about McFarlane. McFarlane brought me to the dance, but Bagley won me. Like he has my heart. And um, someone asked him about like, like what went into the creation of Carnage. 
Um, and he was like, oh, I, you know, I kind of did this design and like with this like black thing with like some red running out of his chest. And then my editor came to me and said, can't do that. It looks like a shotgun wound. <laughs> like, so he kind of like did a little different. And he was like, had I known that carnage would be a thing that um, would be like lasting, he's like, I would have drawn less tentacles. <laughs> so I like the humidity. He's like, like basically like I made a lot more work for myself for a character. I didn't think was going to stick around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So you, cause you mentioned venom and it's like, you know, you can't think of, spider-man without like i know mcfarlane was the first one to draw venom but bagley did some really good work with that too um but yeah anyway uh that's neither here nor there i just wanted to mention my uh, my carnage story that i heard from him and i thought that was really funny that's not like me name dropping like i met him yeah he signed a book and then like i didn't give him a whole lot of money so i wasn't really that important <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and that was on two hours sleep after flying back from vegas and almost dying on that flight yeah uh, and by dying i mean you know rupturing Thankfully and exploding. you didn't shit on mark bagley <laughs> It'd be like, I love your work. Blah, 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 blah. You know, like, yeah. Go Gothend all over him. Um, so, anyway, uh, yes. Uh, last story here, real quick. And by real quick, I mean we're almost an hour in. Sorry, Steve. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, there's a lot of different. So, the, this is an article I saw on IGN. It's been uh, put out elsewhere, too. That um, the headline is Why Movie Studios Might Lose Rights to Terminator, Die Hard, and Other 80s Franchises. So there's there's this thing now where because of copyright law that the original creators of things they like they have to wait like 30 35 years and then they can submit a termination notice to the people that have the rights originally to these these projects or IPs and then they can get them back or renegotiate with these companies so they can stay out there. Um and and you told me for recording that people were kind of bitching about this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much thought goes into internet comments from reading them a lot of times. You just would think none. Um, but some of the reactions that I saw were very anti-creator. Um, and as somebody who considers himself a creative person, I am always going to be the one who's going to at least point out, at least give my point of view on on the creative god i'm i'm dancing around it i think i think the creators rights you know the reason the copyright law is there is so the creators don't get screwed like that's basically you know supposedly right so like the the problem is like we just talked about spider-man being like tossed back and forth between sony and marvel and those aren't people those are entities right and you'd mentioned for sure recording it's not like spider-man's rights are going to revert back to the the state of stanley and um steve, steve ditko um however because we talked about this previously about who owned the rights to Jason Voorhees as a character. And there's a big thing about that now, which it bums me out that it kind of stalls Friday 13th stuff. But I'm not upset with those involved saying, hey, we we are owed money because of that this has been used. And also we talk about like Terminator. I guess it's it's 50-50 between um, Gail Ann Hurd and James Cameron. And Cameron's actually producing the new Terminator film and he wants to make more of them. But she's put out a termination notice. <laughs> terminated notice um that she wants to renegotiate the rights i think that's her right to do so i think it's the right of anybody that owns these things that if they're still being viable things that other companies are making money off of you have the absolute right to say you know what i've waited the allotted time if you want to make more of these you need to talk to me because i was a creator or co-creator i don't have a problem with that and if they get paid they get paid the thing that's upsetting about me is when you talked about, like, well, we won't get another Friday 13th. We won't get another Terminator. Maybe we won't. 
does that not mean that there will not be the opportunity for another person to make something that's of worth that we'll then be excited about? Why? Like the, the, if this has been taken off the board, then make something else. Right. You know, like that's all like, I'm, I'm not big. I'm not upset at the creator for saying I want the rights back. I'm not upset for any of that. Like, however, like there's, these are the things we love. We love them because somebody created them. Then somebody will make something else that we'll love too. Then love that for 35 years and let them take the rights back then. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, I guess in my estimation of the comments, I do tend to focus on the negative. You know, there were a lot of people who had that exact same thought as you were saying, you know, like, great, finally a reason for them to, to do more original work or do more original things. Um, it's just, it's, it's baffling to me whenever somebody says like, you know, like one of the comments was something to the effect of, you know, if I build a house and 35 years later after I've sold it, I can't come back and be like, well, I built this 35 years ago. Now I own it again. And I'm like, you clearly do not understand the point of copyright law, but okay, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you, you built the concept of that house 35 years ago and then people went on to make like movies about that house right <laughs> like like whoever was the architect behind the brady bunch house sure maybe i could see <laughs> you know that maybe being a thing because it's an iconic image you know yeah. but that's that's a that's one object that you gave away you sold you know but the idea of an i like the idea of an idea is that it's infinite mm. as many times as out there right so i don't like like we talked about um spider-man Disney has found ways to keep changing copyright law because they know, like, as much as they've made their money off of public domain characters, like with all their fairy tale stuff they do, they're very protective of the ones they've made, and they keep finding ways to push that that back. I don't agree with that, mm -hmm. but you know, but there's other situations like this where they don't have that purview, which will be funny because Disney now owns like Fox stuff. So what do they have to say about uh like Terminator? Like, what are they going to say about all this? Right, and I. I what is it? Terminator Fox? No, that's Par no. No, Terminator's not. Uh, that yeah, that, it's Paramount. I think it is Paramount because originally I think it was uh, Corelco. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're um, right. and I'm not sure where the rights are now. Okay, but long story short, yeah. I don't think it's Fox because Fox is Predator. Yes, and that was one of the the you know. Uh, franchises slash films that was originally in the article, at least the version of it that I read. Yeah, um, I just, I don't know. I certainly understand people's frustration about something that you love possibly going away, but at the same time, there's always a chance to embrace something new that you're going to love. And also, it doesn't mean that those things are suddenly dead. No. It just means that the person who created them is going to get some money for it. And, you know, if they do decide to make new ones, you know that person's going to be compensated. So I didn't realize that the remake of Pet Cemetery from this year uh, was because Paramount, the Stephen yeah. King put out a, like a you know a termination notice. notice. So they remade it, and it's like why not? Like not I haven't seen the remake. I've heard mixed things about it, but it's like they they realize that they're about to lose the rights to it. So why not make another one to see what you can get out of it? Which that might be a cash grab. It is the literal definition of a cash grab, but. I can't fault them for that. Well, no, I don't fault them for that either. I'm yeah. sure with it coming out and being this gigantic success that it made sense. We're going to lose this soon. Stephen King's hot again. Let's throw this out there. And yeah. I, I haven't seen it either. I don't really know if it's good, bad, or whatever. But, you know, 
more power to the studio. They have the rights. Just and go ahead and, and they'll they will be able to make money off of this one in the original for in perpetuity because they actually owned it at that time. I just that any other pet cemeteries after this would be kings, you know. Yeah. So whatever. And I'm pretty sure that you know, uh, if somebody comes to him and is like, "Hey, we'll give you this to make another pet cemetery in ten years." It's probably going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for somebody who, you know, he, he's open to negotiation for stuff being yeah. sold. Yeah. So yeah, I so. don't know. I, I guess I just wish people thought about where their entertainment comes from a little bit more, I guess. Uh, yeah. Because I guess we'll put it that way. The, well, not to go on this too far, because this could be a whole separate topic, but it's like the creators don't owe... I think we've talked about this maybe previously. If not, we've talked about this on a previous episode of the show, that I don't know if the creators owe the fan base anything. In the right. sense of... like The fans support them, and that's great, but I don't think they owe them additional. I don't think they owe them... I mean, there might be the goodwill of, like, you've promised us X, Y, Z, so deliver on that. But in terms of, like, you know, Terminator, like, you know, Gail on her doesn't owe anybody anything. You know, like, she can say, I want the ability to negotiate these rights back. So I, I'm, I'm, agree- I'm, with, I'm with the creators. I'm also with the studios that are like, you know, we can't do this. We're going to do our own thing. I think that, but I think we're in a weird spot in the world right now that it's hard to launch like wide reaching new IPs um, or whatever you want to call them, like new concepts, new ideas, because it needs to exist in the mind share for a bit for people to actually give a shit about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, like, are you excited on uh, October 11th for the film Gemini man? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I can't wait for the sequel Gemini men where it's four Will Smith's, <laughs> you know, um, no, uh, just I, I want to. I mean, I do want to see it because it's a fun idea. But it's like that's that is an original like science fiction IP that's out there that maybe it could be a franchise. Who knows? I don't care. But like, it's it's original science fiction, so I'm I'm interested. But it doesn't have the same type of uh, shadow with it versus like you know Star Wars or whatever you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's that's where I'm at. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for for news. I mean, you know, we didn't go that long. Just just an hour for everything. So, uh, yeah. So we're gonna transition from uh, talking about Stephen King and his rights to talking about uh, some Stephen King. So let's just get into some creep show. And now for our feature presentation. So, as I said before, uh, that with this month of October and our spooky choosings of films, I I tasked Steve with picking the movies because, one, he loves Halloween, he loves horror, and and all three, I'm lazy. So, that's why I had him pick the month of October. So, last year, it was kind of like your foundational films growing up. Like, we watched... uh, Oh, from beyond. Um, what else did we watch? Halloween four. Halloween four. Um, and then two others. So <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, Nightmare Three. Yes, we watched Nightmare Three. Uh, and then Heather Langenkamp and her uh, unfortunate wooden performance. I know we've discussed uh, that. And um and one other film I can't remember right now. So uh what is the theme this year? What's the connective tissue for everything? I thought it'd be fun to take a look at some anthology horror. Okay. Um with Shudder bringing out uh, Creepshow uh, and bringing in uh, Greg Nicotero to be behind it, I knew that I was going to want to talk about it. Um, it's actually, I just subscribed to Shudder for the show. Like, that's the sole reason I subscribe. Not because I think Shudder isn't good. It's just that 
I have so many movies as it is. Yes, I have so, so many, many subscription services. So yes. Yeah. So it was like, well, I have a ton of horror yet still to watch. I don't know that I need a streaming service to add on to that, but Creep Show threw me over the, threw me over the. Um, well, the same thing. Like whenever, um, I, so for the other show, I have done Strange Highways. Whenever CBS All Access was doing the new season of The Twilight Zone that's what got me to subscribe to that service during the initial run of right. those 10 episodes. So I get it. Uh, by the way, the other, the other two films we did for October last year was um, Night of the Comet, which was oh, a lot yeah. of fun. And then we did our Year of the Knockoff with Dolly Dearest, which was not so fun. But, you know, there you go. <laughs> so that wasn't your, that wasn't your choice. That, that was, was my mine, choice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I figure there's a lot of great horror anthology ones. And... and um, you know, starting off with Creepshow just made sense. I knew the first episode was going to be out this this year, this year, this week. I knew we were going to be able to talk about that. Plus, uh, you know, it's a good reason to talk about the film because we haven't covered it before. I know that you're a huge Stephen King fan. Uh, so of both of them, both <laughs> both of us. So I thought that that would be a good place to start. And uh, yeah, I wish I had like more of a. You know, once once I knew Creepshow was in place and you were good with it, I kind of just thought, well, what else can we dig into? So, and I'm sure I've talked because you were a guest on Strange Highways because we had you on for uh, what was the episode? It was a Good Life mm-hmm. is when we had you on for that, which was um, the one with the kid that could uh, like make weird gophers appear and stuff. It was it's a scary episode. <laughs> um, and I know you had been watching The Twilight Zone along with the show. So is, is there a certain spot in your heart for like anthology style horror? I know it's a loaded question because you have an anthology comic out. Well, you know, I, I it's oddly enough when I think of uh, anthology horror, I do think of comics first. I think of the Tales from the Crypt comics. Um, coincidentally, the Tales from the Crypt TV show was on when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sort of idea of anthology horror is pretty much based at least initially in tales from the crypt now i had seen creep show previous to that and i'd seen creep show too but i don't know that i really quite knew what anthology horror or okay just even the term anthology really was until really saying like oh it's a series that you know there's a different story each week and they're not interconnected sometimes they can be but they're not telling a sequential story i guess is the best way of putting it which um, is odd because the when i was doing my deep dives like reading about the twilight zone which i just got to point out what was it uh yesterday we're recording this on the third uh, yesterday the second is the 60th anniversary of the initial airing of the first episode where is everybody 60 years like not Doctor Denton on Doomsday. That was the second up. Ep- sorry, third episode of season one. What was the like pilot though? That was the the pilot Mr. was called. It was called Time Element. So it was the unofficial pilot that was on the Desilu Playhouse. Okay. So the first episode was called Where's Everybody. The second one was um um was it was Mr. Denton on Doomsday because the third one was uh one for the angels if I remember okay. right. So you're right. So Mr. Denton was the the next week. So we could if you want to talk next week about the 60th anniversary of Mr. Denton on Doomsday. <laughs> We can do that because it's not a very good episode. But where is everybody's pretty solid. But sixty years, right? And yeah. we're we're in the shadow of that right now, especially because Creep Show, like Creep Show, exists because of the EC Comics with you know, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror, uh, and Haunt of Fear. I think is the mm-hmm. the three, and those were very much. But this was before the Comics Code that came down, so they really were really pulpy and pushed like boundaries and things. Um, so. 
it wouldn't exist without that. However, I also feel like Creepshow wouldn't exist without Twilight Zone. And there, you know, like there's a lot of this, right? So um, I know, I think there's a lot of power in a short story because the good news is with a lot of short stories, you don't have to explain a lot of like how they got there or what happens after it's just a nice like sucker punch. Like I feel like that's where anthology horror is the fun bits because if you think too hard about things, it starts to unravel in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just enough of like that adrenaline jolt where it's like, Oh, that was creepy and that was wrong, but it doesn't have enough legs to go for a full length, like novel or film. So I, I feel like the, the nice thing about the short stories is that it's just a nice, like you get like, the story could have like a nasty punchline and that's it. You're done. You don't need to be invested for hours and hours and hours. Um, and I don't know if that's kind of where you and Ryan were with um, beyond sunset. I always want to say just after sunset and that's the, that's the Stephen King anthology, not your guys' <laughs> anthology. Um, so I don't know if that's where you guys were landing. Cause you guys have a couple, you have what, three stories in your book or yeah. It, okay. And to be perfectly honest with that, it, it, uh, it came from an earlier idea we had where we did a couple of small anthology things. Uh, and jokingly, we, we called ourselves the Amateurs of Horror. Um, <laughs> and it was... Uh, I like it. It was printed on, uh, you know, just basic Kinko's, you know, paper. It wasn't anything fancy. It was a, you know... Easily edible by dogs. Sized. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're very edible by Four dogs. Four out of five dogs liked it. The one dog liked <laughs> he preferred dish towels. Um and we had done a a, a full size comic called The Abominations of Science. And then after that I was sort of on the fence about whether or not I wanted to do more. Um and I think Ryan had already started working on his story and he presented it to me and I was like, Oh well I, I think that would be cool to do something that's not so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Because it's not involved. It's only one issue, uh, that other comic. But um, there was a lot of planning that went into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, this was much more self-contained and was shorter stories and was a good way to just have, not have everything rest on that one idea. Um, okay. So, I mean, it's it's rare, and I, we'll talk about this with Creepshow, where you like all of the stories in an anthology because there's been plenty of anthology movies. I'm like, yeah, I liked this and this and this hated that segment or didn't like that. But, um, creep show is one of those rare ones where I think all of them have value and I enjoy each of them. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to like the short story idea, it was really more of a necessity than an idea. Um, it was what I, I sometimes end up leading the, the, the charge at least when we are deciding projects and like hey i have this idea for this slasher thing and i want to do it and now that's what we're doing and ryan's just like okay <laughs> <laughs> well but i think so over time like you you picked creep show and i know because there is the shutter series but i i just uh, there there is a certain appeal and i know that there's other anthology like films out there in different genres like don't get me wrong like um the the Coen brothers put out la- at the end of last year the ballad, ballad of buster scruggs which is a western anthology of like seven six or seven different stories um so it is something that can apply it feels like it is something that is very comfortable in the wheelhouse of science fiction and horror mm-hmm. and um like there's something there where it's easy to there there's something 
inherently good about like what about this and then yeah. like you get that shock and you're like okay but before you get like completely comfortable they move on to the next thing and then you're completely thrown for another loop i mean we're going to talk about the simpsons at the end of the show but um their treehouse of horrors aside there's an episode i think it's from the eighth season it's called 22 short uh, stories about springfield i think something like called. that yeah yeah uh, and it's literally like 30 second to one minute stories throughout the entire episode uh all focusing on one character and a lot of it is pulp fiction inspired at least a a portion of it uh but that's one of my favorite episodes i'm trying to think of other series that have done well even like the the abc's of death um which the the, there's 26 stories and all in both of those films and they're very hit or miss but they're but but it's like even if you didn't like one you're on to the next thing you know and then there's even that anthology series that came out two or three years ago is a film called seasons i think it was what it's called you thinking of holidays holidays that's it yeah seasons holidays same thing where it was shorts shorts based upon different holidays of each month again you talk about like liking everything there's a lot there i didn't like but there's a lot there i did so i like i feel like at least with the anthologies it's like generally things don't overstay their welcome and it's generally one hook. And mm-hmm. um, so there, there's something very popcorn about that. And this may not be the place to spend too much time on EC comics, but like uh, reading them when I was younger, it was very much uh, just sort of for the story and not really noticing the different styles of the artists, you know. Um, but as I got older and would revisit them, you know, I could see that, say, Graham Ingalls would draw something completely different than, say, like a Jack Kamen would. And Jack Kamen would draw something really cartoony but also very beautiful. And it would be completely different from, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name now, um, Harvey Kurtzman. Like, there are these artists who were working, and I think their different interpretations and the way they told stories would really, you know, work well for an anthology in the sense mm-hmm. that uh, that was one of the things too that I going back to when we talked about Beyond Sunset was is like uh, neither of us had to worry about pulling in the lion's share of it was more of a not having to focus on a specific look for certain things it was you know Ryan had a specific story in his head and he was just going to draw it and mm-hmm. I wrote a story and uh, I did pencils for it and then he inked it um, no wait I'm sorry I think I think I did ink that his pencils on that. I don't even remember. Either way, but it's it, but it wasn't it wasn't tied to a specific visual. Yeah. So um, you could just kind of be like, this yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And I think that that's also kind of a a, a plus for anthologies is they they don't have to stick to a specific either style or tone tone. Yeah. yeah. They so, can yeah jump no, around. Uh, and and for all this month, we're going to be looking at uh, anthologies ish. Like I know there's one there's one uh, thing we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll get there when we get there. That is anthology adjacent. Yes. Um, that will be a lot of fun to talk about. And I, I I'm just going to tease it now. It's going to be a, a hoot because I, I I know I know I'm like you know it's 2018. I say it's a hoot. It's a hoot. We're gonna I cannot wait to talk about it. But creep show. So um, this will be. We'll, I'll do my best to keep this focused because you're talking about a two hour film from the eighties that, you know, exists and it's great. And there's like five main stories and one wrap around. And then we talk about the shutter series, which we've seen up one episode. That's two stories. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it would, I don't think it'd be fair to, to jump amongst all of that. Cause it's a lot of jumble. Um, what about, so I guess I'll just say this because I did watch 
I did watch the original Creep Show again because I wanted to get the vibe of that. So that's George Romero. He directed all five segments. Sorry, and the wraparound. Uh, these are all stories based upon Stephen King short stories or ones he created for the film. Um, they had had a previously working relationship. Um, they're kindred spirits. Like they they want to do like get weird and also kind of get like make statements. Yeah. And um, uh, so sorry, they're both EC kids. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and so and I, I'm not sure. And I didn't do my research because I'm a bad podcaster. But I'm not sure when they cross paths. However, you can tell King was a fan of Romero when he was growing up and you could tell Romero respected him because they were friends like throughout everything. And uh, even to the point later when King wrote a short story called, um, Oh, what was it called? Anyway, it was, uh, it was a short story kind of set in the Romero dead universe. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, uh, set in like a small Island and like, uh, like new England that was dealing with the zombie outbreak. So he wrote his own Romero zombie story as an homage to Romero. Um, that was that was really cool. So you could tell that he dug it, and he he showed up in other Romero things too. But his first appearance was in Night Riders, which I talked about a couple weeks ago, watching the first time. As the, like this person, like Stephen King, was like a guy watching everything, just eating like a like a chili dog and talking, and it was really just weird. And <laughs> so they they had, they had worked together previous to this film. Yeah. Um. So then this film, uh, the original Creep Show, came out. Uh, it was released. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It was, uh, which the the release date on this was um, November 12th. Which I'm like, you're two weeks out from Halloween. Yeah, I really don't understand what the thought process was yeah. back then. But it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May that year. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it actually went on. It was a budget eight million, uh, which is pretty high for a Romero film. Yeah. And it went on to make 21 million, which is like. A rare financial success for him. Mm-hmm. And I know we could talk about Romero, but he, you know, he made movies people want to watch. It wasn't always the most profitable. So um, this, uh, you can tell this collaboration was done. What You talk about them both being EC kids. I went back and watched it. I just wanted to get the vibe of the film. And it's very consistent through the whole movie with uh, the transitions that this film does feel like a living comic book mm-hmm. with how things would transition to live action to a drawn face and a panel, and then the camera would switch over. Like it would, it would scan across like a page of a book mm-hmm. to another scene, and it would go on. You'd have the outrageous like backgrounds that weren't true backgrounds, but they had like shapes that were exaggerated. Like this thing was trying to be hyper realistic on a budget, and it has its own style, which I absolutely adore. Yeah, and. I think also the fact that uh, it's such a colorful film, which um, if, again, I think I talk about Shout Factory like every time we're talking about a horror release, but uh, their their version of uh, Creepshow that they put out last year is just gorgeous. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. I know you didn't get to watch that, that version, um, but it's co- so colorful and... and Seeing it in, I think it's a 4K scan. I don't have a 4K TV. Even, but even like with it's like the just... lesser resolution, it still pops. Like yeah. um, like a couple of years ago, I was at uh, the 12 Hours of Terror in uh, Cleveland, uh, the, the Cleveland Cinemas. It was like two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first films they showed. So I got to see it on the big screen, and nice. it still it, it works. And, and, and you're right. Like for Romero, which I would not always say that he is the most like, like his palette's maybe not the most expressive. This is him definitely trying to extend himself. Yeah, I mean, a, he's yeah. he's mimicking comic book panels, but at the same time, he's also mimicking sort of the four-color 
color process. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about old comics sometimes is is that you'll look at something and you'll be like, wow, that is just cherry red because it was the only red available to him. And you're like, wow, it's it's really bright. But at the same time, it somehow works. And, and he was bringing that flavor to, to Creepshow, at least visually. Um, but one of the questions I wanted to ask for you, um, because even though I said... I enjoy all five segments of Creepshow. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Oh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, so let's see here. So we got the wraparound. Tom Atkins yelling at his son, which is Joe do you Hill. Count the 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 wraparound. I love the wraparound. I like, love the yeah, wraparound. Yeah. I'm just so saying. You got Tom Atkins yelling okay. at his kid for reading that crap. The the Creepshow comic. He throws it outside. And I love it's Joe Hill. It's Stephen King's kid. Which yeah. I, I think he has. So all right here. This is the, here's an inappropriate comment, and you guys could all yell at me. I feel like Stephen King has like these weird like. Do you remember the goofy Gremlin and Gremlins two, where it has like the weird eyes that go all yeah. over the place? That's Stephen King in Gremlin form. I feel like Joe Hill's inherited. <laughs> he's inherited those like weird eyes, like, and I I love I love him for it. But like, you see that kid, and you're like, that's Stephen King's kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's why I got a guy with glasses on because your eyes are just rolling all over the place. So yeah, um, I love that segment, and I and for Joe Hill not being an actor does a good job of it. And Tom Atkins, I love Tom Atkins, right? And that's fun, and I love that he's just like. It's it's a father's job to beat my child and drink beer and throw comics outside. <laughs> um, I think I think my favorite segment happened. It just has to be the lonesome death of jo- Jordy Verrill, just because it, it it is it is really funny until it's not, mm-hmm. and then it just becomes horrific and sad. Yeah, I remember seeing that on VHS. A friend of mine had it, so. This was early, like I want to say, like eighty four, eighty five, when I saw it, and uh, just the phrase "meteor shit" <laughs> to like a ten year old kid is like the funniest thing yeah. ever. What was, was meteor shit? You yeah. know, yeah. and then you've got the the I don't want to say hallucinations, but his visions, if you will, of him getting the uh, you know all the money from the university from for, the university for the, you know, having a, a meteor in a bucket and then um, <laughs> and then his realization of like he poured cold water on the meteor and split open about how he's like the, the, then the professor was like I, I you're not gonna get it's a broken meteor and he was like yeah. <laughs> like it's all really funny and, and Stephen yeah. King actually really plays it up really well as Jordy Verrill um, and it's like the whole thing's played for comedy and then but then there's the moment where like so, if, if people have not seen this film, you should check it out. So I'm just going to throw just this film is how many how many years old? It's like you know thirty plus years old, right? So, do you know why they are called spoilers? Um, this this meteor crashes down in, in Jordy's front yard. He goes out and sees it and realizes the possibility because Jordy's not a smart man. He is the Forrest Gump of Northern Maine, is what he is. Mm-hmm. And he sees this meteor and he thinks, well, you know, I can make some money off of this. Not unreasonable. But he touches it and immediately burns his hand and causes like these like welts or something to form on his fingers. He pours water on the meteor, cracks open, this green stuff comes out, and then you start watching everything around start sprouting these like really fast growing bright green weeds. And then over time, everything's growing on him like a bunch of lichens. And he's debating about like what he should do. 
and like his own reaction to all the stuff grown all over him. And it's really funny whenever he grabs the pitcher and he puts the, all the vodka in the pitcher and the orange juice and he takes the bottle of vodka and stirs, stirs the it. pitcher and drinks. Like it's all funny until the moment he's looking in the bathtub and he, he looks in the mirror and, his, and he sees a vision of his father and he's like, Jordy, don't do it. It's what it wants. He's like, but I need to, dad. Like, you know, this whole thing. And then it just becomes this thing where it consumes them. And it's like, and then it becomes tragic. Yeah. Like, and I love that last shot of the house where you could see it like growing out of the house at that point. And then you hear the radio at the end saying, it's going to be like uh, a lot of rain soon and yeah. it's going to be green in a hurry or whatever they say. It's very like on the nose. And it's like that whole thing. You just know that like nothing's going to be good ever again because of this alien weeds that are growing. And yeah, I just, I love that segment so much. Yeah. I also, uh, I, I don't want to misquote the line, but the, you know, the moment where he's got the shotgun and he's like, please, God, let me do this one thing right. This one thing right, yeah. It's just, you just it, it just implied that Jordy never did anything that was like, well, right's not the right word, but it's like he was just a lunkhead, right? Yeah. Like, that's what he called himself. And and Stevie King just, you know he's coked out of his mind shooting <laughs> that whole sequence, like... And it's like, I, mean, I actually think he's really good in that. He's really, he is really good at it. He's not always good when he shows up in guest spots and films like right. as himself or, or sorry, he's guesting his things, but he did really good in that. And I liked it. I liked it a great deal. I mean, and I, in I think my least favorite segment is the very last one with the, with, uh, was EG. What's his last name? I forget the e. actual Marshall. Yeah. They're creeping up on you. I think is the, I like, I like the white of the entire, like his apartment, but the whole thing just kind of like, you know, where it's going. Mm hmm. But whatever, like it works. It's gross. Reading the trivia about that with all the cockroaches in that segment, a lot of what we saw when we got into like the room full of all the cockroaches was it was uh, raisins and nuts. Because Tom Savini, who was like the effects supervisor, was like, "We don't need all those cockroaches. This was a bunch of raisins and nuts in the room and some bugs." I think it's uh, interesting. I don't remember where they filmed it in Pittsburgh, but I do know that like. Part of their agreement was they had to make sure that all the cockroaches were dead when they left. And they were like, there's no possible way we could have known yeah. if we killed every single roach. No, a lot of this was shot around the Pittsburgh area. Um, there was uh, Greensburg, which is like like near Pittsburgh. A lot of that was shot on the soundstage. They used like an old uh, girls like school that they shot a lot of stuff yeah, on I think it stages. was in the school now that you yeah. say that. And the only, the only thing that wasn't shot around Pittsburgh, because the crate segment was shot at Carnegie Mellon, which is in Pittsburgh itself. Uh, the uh, the beach stuff for something to tide you over with uh, Ted Danson, a.k.a. Head Danson, a.k.a. Dead Danson, and Leslie Nielsen was shot in New Jersey. The rest of it was all shot local in Pittsburgh, which, not that that matters anything, but I love that, like, Romero, that's where he kind of got foundation. Like, he made Night of the Living Dead there and Dawn of the Dead. Um, Day, no, Day of the Dead was shot somewhere else, I think. No, no, no. Day it was Dead shot in Pittsburgh, but it was like uh, under some of the underground tunnel stuff was shot in Pittsburgh. Some of the exteriors, I think, were shot in Florida. That's true. But like, if you think about the idea of like the water basin in Florida, yeah. there's no way that underground facility would exist. So I thought it was shot in like a coal mine or something in um, Pennsylvania. But I like that he kept everything local. So that was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, this whole thing felt very homegrown, not to not to play off the pun of Jordy Verrill, but he kept it local. And I feel like he was like, as much as I feel like Romero was limited in his ability to execute and people can yell at me for all this, but Night of the Living Dead is a very limited budget film. And then you get to his other dead films and they're great for his commentary, not his physical acumen to shoot film. 
Yeah, that's my take on that. You can tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I would disagree with that, but at the same time, like we're that's done your now. Opinion. Good night, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I mean, I'm not going to disabuse you of that thought. I, I, I think that his his strengths visually were um, in shooting sort of the mundane with the extraordinary it was, in it. He had a very like documentary type of feel to yeah. him, no doubt. But I'm just saying, in terms of like. Like having like a flamboyant style that was never going to be him, and I feel like Creepshow is probably the most we got out of him for that. And I think a lot of that is actually thanks to Tom Savini, because mm-hmm. he actually leaned on Tom to be like, "Give me a comic book like effects." And so when when you had all these weird like close ups of people where you had like the different like spiraling shapes in the background things, mm-hmm. I think that was more Savini trying to come up with like how a comic book looks versus Romero being able to shoot it that way initially. And I think that was a wonderful marriage. Don't get me wrong. I think that works really well. I think the framing of the different scenes when they transition works really well. And then you go from the final shot of each story where it becomes a comic book again and it flips to the pages. Like, that's all really, really good. Um, I don't know whose idea it was to have Ed Harris try to disco dance during um, the Father's Day segment. but I'm pretty sure that was Ed Harris's. He was like, I've got some <laughs> sweet moves if you want to showcase them somewhere in the film. Some some sweet moves. <laughs> no, um, the one thing I'll say about Romero that I think doesn't, I think it agrees with the point that you're making is, is that I think he was more interested in telling a story as opposed to style. It's The, the reference that I would always use for that is, is uh, John Romita Jr. I think as an artist... He doesn't rely on style and um, I don't even want to say gimmicks, but he's he's a, he's an artist who's focused on storytelling, yeah, as opposed to being flashy. He's not interested in doing the types of things that say like a um, you know a, a Todd McFarlane would be doing. He's more interested in, in telling the story than framing it the way that McFarlane would. That's fair because that's, we we've, we've not talked about Romeo Junior. and that's a whole other discussion. His run on Amazing Spider-Man with um, Straczynski was so straightforward that I loved it. But I think that's kind of my appreciation. But you're right. Like, he would tell the story that it would make sense, but he wouldn't have the big splash pages and all that. You're right. So Romero's kind of there, too. And I I agree. I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm just saying that it may be a choice. Um, It may be a limitation because it never occurred to him to do that. Mm -hmm. You know? But so with Creepshow, like... it's a fun movie. It's a it's it's two hours, which I forgot it was two hours long. But there's like so many stories in it. There's yeah, I mean there's five stories in a wraparound. wraparound. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. And if you guys have not watched it, um, I, it's it, it's not streaming anywhere. I don't think. Um, it might be on Shutter. I know Creepshow Two was on Shutter. I think. Um, I actually but, don't know that it's on Shutter. I think simply because of um the rights being with Warner Brothers I Maybe. think. It was it's like 3 3 or 4 dollars to rent on Amazon. So it's worth the time to rent it. Especially right now it's October. You want to watch a spooky movie. Like there's like these the stories are are horrific and gross because they're horror stories but they're not scary. Like that the creep show isn't about scaring. It's about like kind of like making you in on the joke. I feel like that's that think that's the point and telling a fun story. I think that you know you're saying that you're absolutely correct. So um the movie I love it, recommend it, pay 4 bucks watch it if you've not seen it. 
watch it if you've not seen it recently watch it again like i saw it like i said a couple years ago with 12 hours of terror i was i was more than enthusiastic to come back to watch it again when you suggested it so let's move forward to so with shutter being a streaming service that's been trying to find original content which i feel like that's the thing now that every service is trying to find that thing to hang their hats on um and it's easy to say not easy is not the right word creep shows a known commodity somewhat yeah right yeah please no i just wanted to before we left the film i just wanted to make mention of a couple of things uh one is simply that um my favorite uh story of the five i forgot to ask you no that's okay um is the crate um i think that Every time I watch The Crate, I get something new out of it, whether it's nuances in um, Adrian Barbeau's performance to uh, the sheer like horror of the two gentlemen uh, realizing what's in the crate to yeah. the actual crate like murdering that guy <laughs> uh, under the stairs uh, and having to mop up all the blood. And I really love The Crate. I think that's my favorite. And the design of Fluffy, obviously. For just, those it just who... reminds me of uh, Harry Henderson's, though. It reminds me of the Sasquatch <laughs> from that. I just love that design. Um, so that's my favorite. But the other thing I wanted to mention is, is that um, – for those of you, if you haven't, if you've seen the movie and you want to look at it from a different way, there was a comic adaptation put yes, together. Yes, please. I forgot to mention that. You're absolutely by right. yeah. one of the greatest horror comic artists to ever live on this earth. He unfortunately passed away just a few years ago. Uh, Bernie Wrightson did the Creepshow comic, and I believe Dark Horse re-released it um, maybe just a couple of years ago. Um, so you can find it in print pretty decently. Yeah. I have the original, and okay, I, good. I met Bernie Wrights and was fortunate enough to get him to sign it. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth your time if you want to, uh, especially if you're somebody who likes adaptations. Um, it's a fun adaptation. So so it's funny. It's good that you mentioned that because I actually own that. Like like there's it's not it's not a actual comic. I don't know how to describe like the cover of it originally. It was more it wasn't it was a soft cover. I guess that's the way to describe it. It wasn't it was a collected thing. It was yeah. It was like a, larger than a regular yes. comic book. But different material. Yeah, yeah, kind of like when we talked about uh, X Men, uh, God loves man kills. That was that same type of like printing premiere. Yeah. yeah. So I remember reading that at the time and owning it, and didn't realize there was a fifth story because the TV edit of the film didn't include the last story. Oh, that's fun. Because it's a two-hour runtime, yeah. so they cut it out completely, which is the whole um, they're creeping up on you, which we talked about with uh, E.G. Marshall. So I didn't realize there was a fifth story. <laughs> and I read the comic, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. And then I ended up seeing the film. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, that's a thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. So it tells you when I saw the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad. That the crate's a wonderful bit. Hal Holbrook is awesome in this. Uh, Fritz Weaver, which is the the friend. Yeah. Um, I just, he's great. And I just got to mention, there's a Twilight Zone connection there. He was in The Obsolete Man, and he was like season two like the last episode of the season amazing in that so just like i love seeing him again older with with that and i love i love any story that has a bad thing going on but the bad thing isn't the problem it's more how holbrook trying to figure out a way to get rid of his wife so i love that there's always that parallel of like he doesn't care what's going on in that crate he just wants his wife gone (laughs) no the crate's great It's, it's a good story um, so yeah, and I love the the last scene of them getting ready to play chess. Yes, yeah, and then yeah, he's like, "Oh, the, uh, I I don't know how physically strong Hal Holbrook really is to take a crate with a Sasquatch monster in that box that's chained up and rolled into a quarry." I question that, but whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, the crate the crate's a good story. 
Um, um, okay. But, you know, going off the crate uh, back to the Shutter series, uh, the series will open with, uh, or at least I don't know if it's going to go every episode, but it opens with uh, the creep from the creep show uh, opening a crate. The same crate from the crate because it talks about the Arctic Antarctic expedition. It, yeah. It's not only just the same one, it's the same one they used to film. Nice. Uh, okay, good. That good, was good. Uh, something that Greg Nicotero got from Tom Savini. Oh, that that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Nicotero, um, who we, we know him from being like a big special effects guy with Can B, Walking Dead, like he's he's a big deal in terms of like the horror community. I'm right about that, right? He did. Oh God, yeah, yeah he's okay. huge. Uh, you're looking at me like I'm like I'm not talking about him correctly. I think I am. <laughs> no, but he he um I don't know if he he didn't work on the original first two films, did he? No, he uh, well he he worked on Creepshow two. Okay. He didn't um work with Romero until um Day of the Dead. Okay, so uh he's in he's both in day of the dead and i think he was apprenticing savini on that film okay um and then just shortly after that i don't know if it was that he was still i don't i don't know at what point he opens can be but i don't think it's that terribly long after okay. day of the dead but can um, be is like the go-to place now for practical yeah, effects and i believe they did the raft segment in uh creep show too okay that makes sense so so there's good pedigree here. He wanted to, to do this, and so like Shutter's behind this, and they're like, we're going to do an antho- actual anthology TV show on Creep Show, which it would be remiss not to mention that Romero wanted to do more Creep Show stuff, but there was a rights thing that got kind of weird. So then he decided that he was going to produce something called Tales from the Dark Side, which was a syndicated TV series for like three or four years in the '80s. So he couldn't do Creep Show, but he did something adjacent too. Uh, so I think it's appropriate now that they, this is actually a TV show. I think that's I think it's kind of fun. I wish Romero was around to still see it happen. Um, so with that being said, it's going to be six episodes, I think. Yeah, two uh, episodes or two, two story, segments, two segments per episode. Mm-hmm. Um, first one just came out. Actually, the second episode came out tonight as we're recording. We didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, so. What are your initial thoughts about the first episode? And I'm going to throw another one of these out here. I know I just did this earlier, but here, here we go. Do you know why they are called spoilers? Shudder's a kind of a unique thing that if people don't have, it would be kind of yeah. like hard to like check it out. They have a seven day free trial. Yeah. So check they, like, it's five ninety nine a month too. So and you can like add it if... onto your Amazon subscription too. And they have a shit ton of content, yeah. and it's a horror movie subscription service. They have a lot of really good horror films. Even if you're a person who's like, I only like horror during you know the season the the season of Halloween slash October. Yeah, pay six bucks. Pay six bucks for the month. You're gonna get well worth your money's worth from from subscribing. Um, yeah. My initial thoughts: um, I was surprised that. Because we'll talk about the segments themselves, but I was surprised at how drastically different the two segments were. Okay. Um, and I was, I was trying to figure out how much of it, it was trying to capture the the original feel and look versus what their budget was. Because <laughs> um, the creep looks great, but the creep is also very limited. Unfortunately, yeah. he doesn't do a lot. But I also kind of get the feeling that they were trying to mimic what we got in the film with yeah. that character. Yeah. The, so, the, so the creep is the host of the show, quote unquote, uh, and it is it is an actual live action puppet. Yeah. Um, and it is it is very obvious that its facial expressions are limited. 
I don't have a problem with that. Like that's not like it, it well, is not a problem. No, 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 I no, no, just, no, no. That was one of the first things I noticed. I, th- I was expecting, particularly after having seven seasons of Tales from the Crypt twenty years earlier, where every the episode is, was really animated. Yeah, yeah, the Crypt Creeper was really animated and really well put together and done. So, yeah. so I mean, I think that was a conscious decision. I don't know how I feel about it. Ultimately, um, we'll talk about the individual stories here in a second. My my only my only nitpick with the series is that the you could tell it was shot digitally, meaning okay. that there is a flatness to the whole thing that runs throughout it. And I'm not talking about the effects; just the look of it feels like it is a TV show, which I get it is. But there's a there's ways to to shoot something where it looks more filmic, mm-hmm. and they didn't make the decision to do that. So. By default, my brain's already kind of halfway out the door with some of this, where I'm like, you know, like there's ways to put like filters and some kind of stutter on the frame to make it look more like a film grain. I mean, maybe it's artificial, whatever, but it's like, give me, give me that, give me that level. Cause maybe it's because I grew up with film. So I always kind of expect a little bit of grain, but I feel like grain gives it depth. Mm-hmm. And so I've watched, I watched the first episode twice. First time I was watching it with um, some people, we unfortunately kind of talked through it, whatever. Then I watched it again, trying to give it its, its space, and I liked it both times. Uh, but there, there is, unfortunately, when you talk about limitation of budget, I don't really see it with the creep. I feel like it looks cheap, and I don't oh, like. Wow. I don't like that. I don't like that it looks cheap. Like, see, I didn't get that at all. I didn't feel like it looked cheap, but. Um... To be fair, I was more my focus aesthetically was more on trying to find the nuances that were in Creep Show. Like I was expecting more of those bright colors and more of the which it did a little bit of that a little bit. bit. Um, So that was, and it's not a disappointment. It's just that it's a different visual feel Um, because I I think actually in that first segment uh, there's some great creepy. I don't even want to call them effects because they're effects, yes, but uh, the father of the the, the the father in the main story of the first story um, goes through a metamorphosis. Yes. And there's a point where he's almost stuck to a chair, and yeah, it's no, so no, well no, done that, and that disgusting. That's disgusting. You're right. So the first story is called Gray Matter. Uh, so I, that when I say cheap, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the actual sheen on the production of the shooting. Okay. Where like it's I, I can't it's hard for me to describe why it doesn't it doesn't feel filmic okay. to me. It's not even a real, real word. But had they done something maybe with the lighting or something, knowing that they're shooting digitally, they can alter it a little bit. It just felt like visually palette wise, looking at the image, it felt flat. Not the actual creature effects, not what's actually going on. And the performances, that's all really good. But because everything felt flattened, mm. it was hard to get into it. And that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that bothered me the most was just uh, somebody boiling their beer. <laughs> so, okay, here, here's the, here, here's the mind bomb I'm going to drop on you. I talked about this for start recording. Mind bomb. Mind bomb. That's not even a thing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trademark it right now so no one use mind bomb. Um so there's going to be six episodes, and the Wikipedia page actually has the 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 the, the twelve segments total that are listed. 
Gray Matter, which is based upon a short story from Stephen King from like Night Shift, like early, early, early Stephen King. And it's something I read in middle school and it bothered me then. There's only been a handful of Stephen King stories that have rattled me. This is one of them. So I was really looking forward to it. This is the only Stephen King adaptation this entire season. I think I knew that going in. Um, I know and the only reason I think I knew that is is that I, I feel like Nicotero had been talking uh, when the series was option about hoping to get King's involvement, but also um, knowing that there were other short stories that he's read over his time that he wanted to which is wonderful i think that's great yeah. i think you need to give bigger like more voices right i i honestly thought after watching this episode that what was going to happen was that of the six episodes that we get a king story oh, and okay. somebody else gotcha and not that not that i'm upset about it but it's also kind of perplexing because you, you wouldn't have the first two creep show films without king's involvement directly in terms of writing stuff and there was rumors that Nicotero was actually going to include a segment called Survivor Type, uh, which is about a dude that was like cocaine out of his mind on this like luxury yacht that got shipwrecked. And he keeps a diary of what's going on. And he eventually starts cannibalizing himself. They didn't include that in the season. And I was like, you're going to do Survivor Type? This is going to be messed up. Never got to it. Yeah. But looking at everything else, um, there's actually a story uh, in episode three, which comes out next week, that Paul Dini uh, wrote, co-wrote. Oh, nice. So he he wrote the bulk of, not bulk, but he was a major influence for Batman the Animated Batman Series. Batman the Animated Series. If you are like, wow, that's one of the best episodes of Batman the Animated Series, chances are Paul Dini wrote it. Yeah. And there's actually <laughs> going to be a Joe Hill story later and then a, um, a story that was co-written by Joe R. Lansdale. So there's good pedigree in here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And I know one of the things that Nick Otero talked about is, is that they can't really touch some of the aspects of the original film simply because of rights issues mm -hmm. because one of the ideas was to do either a sequel or a prequel to the crate okay what happens to it when it's in the water and still living yeah and what happened how did it get to the the, the college <laughs> i, so I want to believe that they did a sequel or how holbrook who is still alive that this thing just took forever to get to him that's what i want <laughs> um i mean that, that would be amazing but he's like you know that's something that i would love to do in the future he's like and maybe if this series is successful it'll show warner brothers that you know it might be a good idea to to get involved no, absolutely um, um so yeah i i like the idea at least that um Nicotero's pulling from people and inspirations and things that he likes, whether it be short stories he likes mm -hmm. or authors he likes. Um, so I, I, I do, I get, I, I get your, your, not misinterpretation, but I, I understand where you're coming from. With there's an assumption. It's called creep show. There should be more king stories, right? So like, not expectation that, is the word I was looking for. Yeah, just the fact that like the the very first story we get, Gray Matter, is a Stephen King short story. And then we don't get anything else from him the rest of the season. That seems not that we're, it's not a bait and switch. Like it, it's creep show. Like you can, it's anthology. There's all these things, but I'm like, Oh, well that's it. Like that feels a little weird to me. Um, that's not a bad thing. It's just something that I realized today before, before we start recording. So of the two stories, so there's gray matter. And then we have not talked about the second one called the house of the head, which is a wonderful title for the next segment. Um, here's my here's my admission. As much as Grey Matter freaked me out as a short story reading it, the House of the Head was the more fun segment of the two. And I actually I feel like Creepshow is not going to 
it's not going to ever scare me in terms of what their intent is. It's to tell me fun, ridiculous stories. Mm-hmm. And the second story was the premise is so wonderful that like I just I, I've been I, I watched it twice and each time I was tickled by what was going on and some of the, the some of the shots they used in the episode just had me laughing because it was like it, it kept turning your expectations on your head about what was going on. I loved it. So one of the things that I'll just mention real quick is, is uh, there are references galore in both segments. Yeah, um, I don't know how I feel about that, but yes, I, I actually liked it in in Gray Matter. Really? Did you like all the wanted like missing animal posters? Where yeah, you saw, sure, it's you fun. saw Cujo, and what, there was another animal. It was something. There was another like missing animal that it's were, like, church from church from Pet, Pet Cemetery. I'm like, I don't it's need fine. that. I don't need that. I don't. This, I feel but like there, there. You get that, but there's also like deep cuts. I didn't realize this because I was listening to Nick Tarot. There is also a creep show podcast. I should mention oh. that Fangoria is putting out a creep show podcast. They had uh, for their first episode Nick Tarot on for I think it's a half hour interview. Um, so he went in for much shorter and in depth than we do. <laughs> but what's interesting is is that he he mentioned you know uh on the counter of the store i think he there's a there's a green mile reference um there's also um there's a reference to the shining i guess the twins are the twins they talked about like yeah. they were like they're missing i got um, that um and there's there's something else that i'm missing but going to the house of the head um when the little girl goes to the doll shop and asks for a priest or an exorcist, and he's like, "Well, I don't really have anything that would be like that, but if you're looking for a spiritual character, I have a you know um, a Native American. That's Chief Woodenhead. Woodenhead. Yeah, I was going to ask you about too. that because like she pulls a figure uh, into the dollhouse that is like a Native American. It's yeah. Chief Woodenhead from Creepshow too, which was uh, great. Did did they did they talk about how in the dollhouse segment? Um, there's a bit where so okay, uh, we I guess we should specify that the head of the house is this girl has this, like this big dollhouse, and it's her looking at the Smith Smith family, mm-hmm. and the thing is every time she turns around or she leaves and comes back, the Smith Smiths are a different location, and their dogs like it, like everything's a doll. It's all like yeah. just all kid like all not kids but they're all dolls in this dollhouse, but she's slowly but surely watching this like terrible thing unfold with this random head this ghastly head which by the way before they get to that segment there's a page that flips through the interstitial between the first story and the second story that has these different horror heads yeah and the very bottom right is it just says the head and it's the it's the head from the story i thought that was great um there's a bit where the actual head like the zombified head sitting on this coffee table and there's an ashtray to the left of it it's the same ashtray from the first film yeah yeah, yeah, the I, it's it actually pops up, I guess, in Gray Matter as well. I, I didn't get to Gray it. Matter, yeah, yeah. but I, that that I'm okay with because it's a through line because that ashtray showed up in three stories in Creep Show. It, it actually uh, they say that it's in all five. I forget oh. to look for it, but Who yeah. Knows? But I think it's fun. Yeah, that's fun. But um, like a lot of the references, like you had the main guy in the Gray Matter, like the kid wearing the yellow rain slicker. It looked like the Georgie, not Georgie. What's his name? Bill from it. And that's fine. And you have Adrian Barbeau, who was literally in the first creep show. Like, and it's like, you get all these references. It's, I feel like now I feel like winking at the audience is almost too much because I feel like, um, 
like Castle Rock destroyed it for everybody else, where uh, which is unfortunate because it's the anthology series, but not the same as this. Well, I'll say this about Castle Rock. Um, as annoyed as I was with the last two episodes, with the of last season. two episodes of that season, I kind of have to admit I saw the trailer for uh, season two, season two, and I'm like, ah. Uh, I kind of want to watch that. <laughs> so I may, even against my better judgment, I may dive in for the second season of Castle Rock. But here they're just presented as fun to me. It's it's sort of like I look at the way they handled them in the same way that uh, Kevin Smith would build in references to his other movies, mm-hmm. um, I, which I always you know, I I'm always kind of a sucker for that kind of thing. I like, I didn't feel they were winking at the audience. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel there. like it was so heavy handed where you saw the missing animal posters and you saw Cujo and Church. It's like uh, that. This felt like that was so heavy handed. Yeah. But the rest of it, I was okay with. Like, yeah, there's twins, whatever. Like, if you want to, if you really want to read into that, that's okay. Um, whatever. It's it it's okay. But I will I will say this. So, um. I really so gray matter is a story that bothered me re, like growing up and reading it. So seeing it brought to life, um, it was good. It was great to see Gus Fring and uh, Jigsaw partnering up, and like Tobin Bell's great, and mm. and uh, Giancarlo Esposito is great. Like I I was so happy to see them. Like I feel like uh, Giancarlo Esposito is like had like this weird like he's been doing things. He was a maximum overdrive. He was the guy walking into the gaming room and the Dixie Boy truck stop and trying to get cigarettes out of the machine that killed him. So okay. he's been in a Stephen King adaptation years before he was known as anybody. <laughs> um, so it was great. But he's been like this like respected, established actor showing up in this. Like, I like that. Um, I, I just it, the story was more terrifying for me as a kid not understanding what his dad was going through. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it ended up becoming almost like the blob at the end. And I didn't really care for that. It was just hinted at the, in the short story that it was dividing into. And that's where the story was left of like, Oh no, things are going to get worse. Well, at the end here, you had Adrian Barbo with their adding machine, like doing the math over and over again. Like, Oh, we have six days. It's like, or fire. That's also a solution for this thing. <laughs> Well, I also i I really like the fact that uh, the you know, the, the, not the premise, but the whole idea behind why the son did what he did for his father was is that you know he promised me he'd quit. Yeah, you know, that felt, I, that felt like that was like it was. It was I don't know. I liked it. I, I thought it was simple, and it, it felt very much the way we tolerate certain things. That's fair. So. Um, but of the two stories, uh, uh, Gray Matter or The Head of the House, sorry, H- House of the Head, which of the two did you have more fun with? I think Gray Matter, just because of the special effects. I, I really enjoyed the way uh, House of the Head was told. I really enjoyed coming back to the house and seeing what new horror had you know come up. <laughs> I liked it when she put the policeman in there and you saw what happened to the police. Yeah. I liked what happened when she put Chief Woodenhead in there. It was like, it was her just be like, oh no, what's going on with the Smith Smiths? It, it felt like grown up, um, are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> <to me. laughs> my, my thing with House of the Head, and there are people who are going to tell me that it's perfect the way it is and I can't argue with them. It's just that I was expecting a button. I was expecting, like, after she gets rid of the house, 
Yeah. It just sort of ends. And I was expecting there to be something like she goes back to her room and like maybe there's, you know, because she's got stuffed animals. Maybe there's now like a stuffed head version of the head or. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, yeah, that's fair. I did like that whenever her her parents, which were like just the, the biggest non-factors in this entire yeah. story. They're like, do you want to sell this house we pay a lot of money for? Yeah, that's fine. And then I liked how she was sitting in the backseat of the SUV with her like little beret on. It was it was. It was almost like taking the piss out of every film where you have like the survivor, like in the vehicle being mm-hmm. taken away, and it's like it's her dollhouse being sold. <laughs> I like that how she kept kind of looking over, and then like the one the one person who opened it up and looked and saw what was going on in there, like that was funny because like the entire time it was taking, like taking what you would expect out of a horror situation, and subverting it, like the whole thing where she's like, oh, they're haunted. And then like seeing the bad stuff, like, yeah. like it became, it became way funnier for me the second time I watched it because I knew how it was going to end. I really enjoyed it. And I know it's a story from a different person, but I feel like King probably saw this and was like, why did I think of that? Oh yeah. It's, it's yeah. a great story. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a I lot just, of fun. uh, I, I really like the girl's performance. And for those of you who watch walking dead, you'll recognize her as young Judith. Um, Oh well, no wonder Nicotero bought yeah. her into the production. Yeah, um, so he didn't direct that portion, but yeah, it makes sense. The the visual sight gags that are set up each oh, time she goes so back funny. to the house it's are so funny, wonderful. Um, I just because it's creep show, I was expecting a button. So, oh, dude, the the person who who wrote that short wrote Bird Box for Netflix. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, not that I've seen Bird Box, but people have talked about it. I've seen Bird Box. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I didn't say it's fine. Um, it's it's enjoyable. I I think that uh, it enjoyed more success simply because the Quiet Place came out and it was in that same vein. And you know, I I think Quiet Place is a better film, but Bird Box is, Here, is pretty. Here's the admission: I bought uh, Quiet Place the day it came out on Blu-ray. I did not see it in the theater. It's still. I still have not seen that, and I still I did not watch Bird Box, so that's my admission. Maybe the spooky month of October, I'll get to one of them. <laughs> we'll see. All right, but no. So I will say, ultimately, the series has the the transitions of the comic book paneling. It has the creep. It has some of those bright colors popping. Maybe not the same type of way, but you can tell Nicotero got the vibe of what made people like the first Creep Show. So it, it's like, it's not perfect. And I feel like, again, the sheen of the, the, the whole thing feels a little off to me. Um, but I will be willing to give it the opportunity to, to watch the rest of the season. And anytime there's new anthology horror out there, I'm going to give it a chance. So I enjoyed that it leaned into what made it memorable. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't reinvent the wheel. And that's why people like Creepshow. And I really liked this episode that we watched. Yeah, and the fact that you know AMC is behind Shutter makes me hopeful that it's it's unfortunate me to say it this way because we did get three seasons of Ash versus the Evil Dead, but you know they kind of axed Ash versus Evil Dead simply because they weren't getting the subscription dollars that they were hoping for. Part of that was because people were pirating the show. Um, the people weren't supporting it, but I, I, I hope people support this. I'm hoping that AMC is like, well, we made you know so much money off of walking dead we can throw a couple of 
you know, bucks at at Creepshow to do a couple of seasons. I'm well, really hoping it's a known commodity. Like I was talking about before, I feel like it's going to it's going to get at least a second season. Honestly, I, I don't that. understand why there isn't a Creepshow comic, right? Like, yeah, it just it makes sense. I, there was apparently a uh, uh, to promote the series. They put out a comic uh, at San Diego Comic Con. I haven't looked to see if they've gone down, but when I looked to see them online and right after San Diego, they were going for like ridiculous prices. Mm. So, yeah, I just I feel like the name is like it, it's out there, and Shutter may not be the biggest subscription service, but I feel like it's going to pull enough. So we'll see. But if you guys have not checked it out, I know we kind of talked about some of this. I don't think we spoiled much of anything. No. Um, yeah, go get your free trial. Watch Creep Show. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's so much content on there anyways. If you're somebody who's just, like I said, uh, a horror fan in the month of October, you got your entire month of October all in one and, channel. And for and like if you want to watch bucks. a weird-ass movie, uh, Nicolas Cage's film Mandy is on there. Watch yeah. that. Um, there is a critically acclaimed uh, a foreign horror film called Here There Be Tigers. Um, I, I need to watch it, but it's been getting like rave write-ups. It's, so it's there's great... also a film on there called uh, One Cut of, Cut of the Dead, okay. which people oh, are that, calling yeah. some of the, one of the best horror films to come along in the zombie genre in years. Um, some people were saying it was the best movie of last year. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, Train to Busan's on there, which is the the, the South Korean uh, zombie flick that everybody's like raving about. Yeah, Shudder has some good shit. Like if you're if you're about horror, there is no reason to not check out Shudder. They do have classics. They have Halloween on there right now. So if you're like, I want to watch Halloween, it's on there. Yeah. Spoiler: Last year, whenever I was trying to watch Halloween four. I had to I'd use my free trial subscription to watch it because otherwise it was like, I think you gave me like the Blu-ray and I couldn't watch it because I was going to watch it not in my living room and I couldn't yes. access it otherwise. No, Shudder has a lot of good things. They also have that one documentary. I forget what was the name of it. Oh, Horror Noir. You, yes, that's it. I haven't gotten to that yeah. yet. But uh, but it's like the history of like um, uh, African-American horror cinema. I heard it's yeah. amazing. So yeah, check out. Shutter, it's like six bucks. Like, what are you missing? Like, just throw six bucks at it. You, that's more, um, that's less than a six pack of White Claw. <laughs> Is that our new barometer of which we'll know. gauge things? How many White Claws are we giving it? It's less than a WWE subscription. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, yeah, it no, like, and um, you won't be giving money to Vince McMahon. That's true. So, all right. Um, yeah, so if you've not seen Creep Show for a while, pay three bucks, three or four bucks to see that, and then get your free subscription to Shutter and watch the new series. There are now two episodes available. Um, we've not seen the second one. I'm sure it's going to be fun though. Like I, 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 I'm super stoked for our spooky October anthology month. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. So, all right. Um, any other thoughts about Creep Show, the movie, or? The series. Uh, I think I covered most of. Don't drink weird beers. I think yeah, that's... don't don't boil your beer. Never do that. That's just bad news. Yeah, and don't um don't don't just shotgun beers. Don't just shotgun like PBR or Fall City because there might be some gray sludge in it. I that that's what I was gonna say is is uh was the was the moss? Do you think the moss that was on the case was no. that a reference to uh, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill? You think it would be? Maybe it would be, but in the short story, it was just. I, I, it's been a while since I've read it, but okay. it was like a telling of what happened, and like so the way it was described with the main character, he shotgunned this beer and he was like, "Ugh, it tasted different and weird." And that's all they went into. 
And then as he started like this melting into this chair, it was almost like the way it was described was like this gray sludge, which I showed in the series. Yeah. But it was almost like that translucent kind of like what you see when you look at like a Thanksgiving ham. <laughs> and it was like, that sounds funny, <laughs> but it's gross. It is gross. And then he was walking into through his house and like he would punch into the drywall. And at one point, I think his son watched him grabbed like the maggot riddled corpse of like a cat that had died in the walls and just eat it in front of him. Like, well, that's, like, that's disgusting. A, right? a lot of levels. And it was, was like, I, I read this like 20 plus years ago and yeah. it stuck with me. Right. And then at the very end where it was like, it looked like it was dividing. Like that was, it was implied. And it was actually, if I remember right in the Stephen King universe, this was someone living near Jerusalem's lot, which was Salem's lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, very much like in the King wheelhouse, but I remember gray matter really messing with me. So I, I was super excited. This was one of the stories, um, the resolution and the TV show, it is what it is, whatever it, it Tobin Bell was fun. And Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito was fun as well. Here's the thing. We both liked both of them. You liked the second one more than the first. I liked the first more than the second one. Yeah. But it's not like either of us were like that other one was awful. No, you know what I mean. Like I think I appreciated. <laughs> the, I think I just appreciated like the random like ridiculous humor. Yeah. Of this because it felt like hereditary with all like the small scale things. Yeah. But like, like just weirdly graphic of what was going on in the dollhouse. <laughs> like. <laughs> so all right, um, if you guys have had the chance to see the film Creep Show or the. Shutter series, which again we recommend, or uh, Creep Show Two. Creep Show uh, I just two. throw that out there. I, I I don't think that gets enough love. Um, it's not the original Creep Show, but I, I I like that film quite a bit as well. There is apparently also Creep Show Three that I have not seen. I've heard it, is and it's garbage. supposedly terrible. Yeah, yeah. no, it's all I like. I so on the Shutter app there is like these t- like active TV channels they have. Like they just play constant like stuff. Like there's a shutter channel. I logged in the other night using Steve's information, but uh, I logged in the other night <laughs> and they were showing Creep Show too. And I saw Old Chief Woodenhead like start to move, and I'm like, "Well, no, 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 I want to watch Creep Show." <laughs> um, so I remember Creep Show too messing me up because of the raft. So yes, we should check that out as well. Um, anyway, if you guys watch original films recently or the TV series and have thoughts. As I uh, have indigestion from drinking things through all this, share it on our Facebook page. It's uh, Invasion of the Podcast. We have a blog. It's invasionofthepodcast.com, which has not been updated recently. I promise, promise, promise. Uh, much like Canon Films, I will deliver something. You may not be happy about it. I realized in hindsight that I'm, like, I'm very much hitting the arc of Canon where I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Maybe. Um, I, I, I owe you guys some film watching, so I'll get to that. What you should do is, you know, spend like a good like three weeks writing it and then the last like, you know, paragraph of it right in five minutes. Yeah. No, like I'm I'm, I feel like we I I feel like I derailed the whole year of canon in terms of chronological order. So I might just say screw it and be like, hey, Cobra's an interesting film (laughs) and start writing about things. I don't know. We'll get there. It does feature a character called the Night Slasher, which if you look up the Sarah Slasher, you're going to get pictures of him. That's true. Um, but what about the Monday morning murderer? <laughs> he hasn't come up yet. 
Um, I just want to point out that uh, that uh, that Steve's cohort uh, Ryan posted something about like Mondays, and I was like hashtag Monday Morning Murderer, <laughs> and I just I need to see that I need to see that character. Um, so yeah, we have a blog. It's not been updated recently, but if you want to read about some westerns and some knockoff films and some and a handful of canon films. Definitely check it out. Uh, and then you guys can find us on wherever you find your podcast. That would be Podbean, Stitcher, um, Apple Music, Google Music. Sorry, Apple Podcasts and Google Music. Uh, and find us, rate and review us. It would be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you at the Monday Morning Murderer? You can find me at the thesaturdaynightslasher.com. <laughs> you can also find me on Instagram. Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. And if you're looking to buy some comics or art, you can go to uh, Etsy and look up the Art of the Slash. That's our store. So, And I, I've been seeing some more artwork being posted. Are you guys working on... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've run into some technical dif- difficulties recently uh, uh, beyond just uh, dealing with a uh, dog who will eat anything, apparently. <laughs> Um, we're having a very expensive month because I had to buy a new laptop. Uh, so, uh, production will be hopefully going a little quicker soon. Um, but yeah, we're looking to have some, some new pages up soon. Nice. So. All right. So we're going to move on to, cause you know, it's been, it's been two hours. It's time to get to the game. It's a short game. It's a short game. So we're going to, we're going to, we're just going to get to the game here. It's time to play the game. Good enough. All right. <laughs> All righty. So tonight's game is based on the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. I've got 10 questions here about that uh, lovely series. I know that you're not the biggest Simpsons fan. You're no, more of a family guy man. No, 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 no. You, you are, no, it's a heresy. I, Simpsons up through like season 10, I'm good with. Family Guy, so Family Guy is the thing American I go Dad. to. American Dad. No, um, <laughs> American Dad's okay, and Family Guy's okay. Um, Family Guy is all about the reference, which pisses me off more often than not. But Family Guy's my go-to if I get like completely hungover, like, and then the next morning I just sit on my couch with my glasses off because I can look at our big TV and see the animation okay. Cause I've yeah. like, so it's not that blurry. So I could just like put an ice pack on my head and be hung over and be like, this is okay. So I don't want to delay our, our show any further, but there yeah. was a, a moment during uh, our episode of uh, talk about rhythm where El Goro had discussed uh, something that, uh, well, he brought up your disdain for Ernest Klein and how uh, he'd also didn't care for the great Gatsby. And was there something <laughs> that uh, I hold with complete and utter just uh, ire might be the best word uh, for that. And for me, I couldn't think of anything. So I used an example of uh, the film. It follows being something that I just didn't quite understand. Not that I felt the quality was low. I just didn't quite understand why everybody loved it. Yeah. Um, my answer should have been family guy. Because well, Family wanna, Guy is Steve, by can far. You, can you just look over your right shoulder for a second? Can you look up at the wall? What do I? What? Let's let's up there. It's an it follows slash 
Family Guy crossover No, no, poster. no. It's, <laughs> it's one, but not the other. Like, but, uh, I thought it was great. You're like, I don't like it follows. I'm like... <gasps> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think Family Guy is... Uh, Lowest common denominator. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, though, um, I didn't realize it could do worse, and then I watched an episode of American Dad and was proven wrong. American Dad, I feel like, at least has like a plot that runs through the whole episode. So I can at least give it that, that it tells a story. A family guy, there's times where it just devolves into ha and reference. And I don't really yeah. like it's one it's of those the things. Ernest Klein of animated comedy. Uh, I, I just I don't even want to give Ernest Klein that. I feel like <laughs> Seth MacFarlane's capable of more. So I can at least watch any episode of Family Guy and find moments that are like, ah, eh, that was okay. But it's not a coherent story more often than not. The first the, the original run when it was on before it canceled. I can go back to that. It, it's ridiculous, and it, I, I really enjoy that. But then after a while, they're like, we could say anything, and, yeah. and no one cares. So, yes. Please, continue. All righty. So, uh, now that we've... smirching my name and my... You know. <laughs> after we've gone through the, all that, now we're going to get to the actual game. Uh, these are 10 questions about all of the seasons of... Uh, well, not all of them, obviously, because <laughs> there's only ten questions, but from different episodes of the Treehouse of Horror anthology that The Simpsons runs every year. So the first question here is, is in Treehouse of Horror 6, groundskeeper Willie is inadvertently turned into a Freddy Krueger-esque slasher when Homer turns up the thermostat for what reason? Is it A, <laughs> the school budget only allows heat for one hour a day? Is it B, Superintendent Chalmers likes the school to be the same temperature as the Ed Sullivan Theater during a taping of the David Letterman show? C, it was cold due to it being the 13th day of the 13th month of the year, Smarch. Or C or D, was it Marge is in a better mood for bad news when the temperature is warmer? Curse that Smarch weather. It was letter C. <laughs> Stupid Smarch weather. <laughs> Don't touch Willie. That's good advice. Alrighty, so the next one here. Uh, which character was officially introduced in a Treehouse of Horror episode? Is it A, Disco Stew? Is it B, Dancing Pete? He dances for nickels. Is it C, <laughs> Professor Frank? Or is it D, Uder Zorker? Uder in the uh, Cafeteria of the Damned. Uh, yes, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, he's also full of chocolate. Don't make yeah, him run. Yeah, he's full of chocolate. It was the same Treehouse of Horror that the the Willy, the the he was Freddy Krueger in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one here. Uh, in this segment, I guess we're not even keeping score, but I'm just asking questions. I'm two for you, two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the segment House of Wax from Treehouse of Horror 12, oh, no. which James Bond actor cameos as the voice of the house? Is it A, Pierce Brosnan, B, Daniel Craig, C, Sean Connery, or D, Roger Moore? Roger Moore. It's actually Pierce Brosnan. Oh, well, I, that was 50-50 between the two of them, because I knew Connery wouldn't show up on The Simpsons, and I know Daniel Craig was not uh, Bond at that point. <laughs> there's, a great, uh, there's a great joke in that uh, segment where uh, she's trying to pick a, a voice for It's this automated house that okay. will do everything that they ask of it, um, so they never have to clean or cook or anything like that. Um, but they're programming the voice, and one of the choices is Matthew Perry. <laughs> and all he says is, could I be any more of a house? <laughs> <laughs> and they got him for just that one line. I recently watched the SNL skit where he was like, when he was guest host, it was like sarcasm, like 101. And it was him <laughs> teaching a class. And it was basically Matthew Perry just riffing on Matthew Perry. The just being Matthew yeah. Perry. <laughs> All righty. So the next one here, Treehouse of Horror 24. Oh, no. 
I think you're going to get this one, though. Treehouse of 20, Horror 24 features an opening couch gag by which horror director? Oh, I know this. Okay. Is it Guillermo del Toro, whose name I, for whatever reason, just had trouble saying? Uh, is it Sam Raimi? Is it James Wan? Or is it Wes Craven? Guillermo del Toro, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that more, to be perfectly honest. Right? Uh- I like that they, they, they put like the uh, the clockwork Nazi in the middle of all that from Hellboy. I'm like, I mean, I guess you're gone there. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, next one here. This is question five. I mean, let me clarify. I'm not a fan of clockwork Nazi. <laughs> I think it's an interesting idea that was in the first Hellboy film. I'm not saying clockwork Nazi needs to be a mainstay. He's going to pop up on Family Guy, I'm sure. He's going to pop up in um, the presidential election soon. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in what season did The Simpsons finally parody It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown? Was it season 13? Was it season 30? Season 20? Or season 16? Uh, this, is, this is a coin flip by four. I, uh, season 30. It was season twenty. It took him twenty seasons to, to get to do the to, great pumpkin. Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen that one. It's it's really great though. Maybe I just I don't I, I maybe I have I just I, I my not the my dismissal of the Simpsons past season ten is so bad. Like, well, it's what's great about it is the great pumpkin does show up. However, he's then horrified to see what people are doing to pumpkins, <laughs> and uh, he then decides to do it to people oh so it's amazing have you seen the snl skit from last year where it was the pumpkin farm where the the guy had to fire people from uh having sex with pumpkins yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know as i send you guys out i just load up all your cars the pumpkins are like yeah i like, gotta say and i don't know if it was uh if it was you know the break or whatever but i i will say i don't know if you watched this past weekend saturday night live it was a strong outing like i saw a lot of the skits yeah, yeah there from, was uh, actually some really good ones yeah, yeah. The, and the apple picking one was pretty great that was <laughs> <laughs> if, if the local use pull you off fight like hell <laughs> <laughs> such flavors as Apple. (laughs) All right. In uh, the segment Time and Punishment, Homer accidentally constructs a makeshift time machine from what item? Is it A, a toaster, B, a television, C, a blender, or D, a microwave? A toaster. That's right. See? You're doing well. You're keeping it early on. (laughs) All right. So this one is... uh, was a very big point of contention for me for a long time because uh, Major League Baseball kept getting in the way. But uh, what was the first year the annual Treehouse of Horror aired in November due to the World Series? Was it A, 1998, B, 2000, C, 2004, or D, 2011? I'm going to say 98 because Fox had the World Series back then. I believe it was 2000 when I looked it up. But... Um, yeah, it was frustrating that they'd always do the Treehouse of, of Horror after. After, yeah. It's like, why bother then? Yeah. You guys couldn't find like a special night to put it on just to, yeah. I, w- I, I was very annoyed by or that. Or Saturday, you know. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, so number eight. Uh, what food fast food chain had Simpsons Treehouse of Horror toys as giveaways in their kids' meals? Is it A, Burger King, uh, B, In-N-Out Burger, C, McDonald's, D, Wendy's. Wendy's. It was Burger King. Yeah. I had no idea. Like, yep. um, uh, so I, it's something else I got to mention real quickly when we, out, when we went out west. 
we went to an out Burger. Mm-hmm. Have you had that before? I've not. Oh, it was pretty good. Um, I thought you were gonna. It was fine. No, it was it was, <laughs> it was okay. Like I asked for animal style, which is like a thing, and it was it was okay. But it's like when I said Five Guys is better, everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, <laughs> like Five Guys, like Five Guys gives you more options, and in an out Burger, it's like imagine like um, a um, steak and shake, but they just serve four things. Like, like, yeah, yeah. like their menu's very limited, which is okay. But everybody runs around red and white with like the little like fifties like diner hats and yeah. things. It's like, oh, this is cool. Burgers are okay. Like, I don't know. What this, <laughs> like, would I have it again? Absolutely. Do I see everybody lo- loses their mind over? No. But I had to have it because we're out there and because of the Big Lebowski. Okay. Yeah, because it was Donnie was always talking about the In and Out Burger. So yeah. Anyway, not Burger King. Not Treehouse Territories. All right, we've got two questions left to go. Yes. All righty, so the opening of Treehouse of Horror 3 featured tombstones listing the deaths of rival animated shows that were canceled the previous year. Hmm. Uh, which of these was not a real show listed on one of the tombstones? Is it A, Fish Police, B, The Critic, C, Family Dog, or D, Capital Critters? Critters. All three of those were, like... Um... Oh, sorry, all four of those are real shows. Yeah, I, I realize that I, I miss I misread it when I but said. But Capital it, so Critters was the, the one. Which one was not on there? I guess is, is which one was not on there? Yeah. Um, read those back to me, please. Fish Police, The Critic, Family Dog, or Capital Critters? The Critic. That is correct because it didn't debut until like two years later. later. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. I, I misread. I recently I watched that one too, so I remember the tombstones because there's a whole thing where the writers loved the gags, but they couldn't keep coming up with them. So yeah. eventually, they wrote tombstone gags in one of the years. <laughs> yeah. Fish Police, CBS. What were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> and Family Dog was an offshoot from Amazing Stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, last question here. Uh, what is the name of Bart's evil twin from the segment <laughs> The Thing and I in Treehouse of Horror 7? Was it A, Horace, B, Homer Jr., or Hoju, uh, C, Hector, or D, Hugo? It was D, Hugo. That is correct. Yeah. I, I recently watched this like like a few months ago, so that's okay. why I remember that. It was like, oh, it was the other one. Did you realize that Bart was the evil twin? Yeah. It's yeah. got one of my favorite gags. Uh, is it the rat bird? Not the rat bird. <laughs> it's when Prof- Professor Herbert's like, it occurred to me you've never seen yourself in a mirror. And he's holding just an empty frame up to Hugo's face <laughs> and then punches him through it. <laughs> yeah. No, the Treehouse Horror is a lot of fun. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for our really long episode because I would not stop talking about Vegas and smoking weed and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So next week, uh, we're going to be talking about, um, oh, uh, Hood of, Hood of, not Hood of Horror. That's Snoop Dogg. What's, what's the, I just literally t- told you I watched that and I didn't like it. What was the other one? It was, uh, Tales we're from the Hood. We're going to be talking about Tales, Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood. Not Hood of Horror. We will never talk about that film. Uh, Tales from the Hood, which neither one of us have seen. No, I've seen it. Oh, one of us have seen. Um, <laughs> I only recently discovered it in the last few years. Uh, that's true. You I, told me that. I when I uh, I stayed away from it because I thought it was a parody film. I didn't know that it was a serious horror film. So, um, 
it, it's really good, and for a film that was made almost twenty years ago, it's it's very relevant today. We'll put All it right. that way. So I've not seen this, so it'll be exciting to get into. So that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys had uh, a lot of fun talking about. Uh, hope you enjoyed our talk about Creep Show, uh, the movie in the series. And again, if you guys have have any thoughts, please share it on our Facebook page. We greatly appreciate it. And in the meantime, I just got to say. Um, I hope you have a good week and you party like um, Ed Harris dancing to some disco music uh, and uh, the Father's Day segment.